Um, my leg is good. I still have my crutches, but I don't use them anymore. Um, Do you still have a cast on? No, no, no. I actually, I never had a cat. Well, I had like a, because it was like like my knee. Yeah. Like, because it was my knee, I had Mm. like a giant brace. Just to keep it straight. To stabilize it. But because like, I don't, I couldn't have a plaster cast with that type of fracture. Because then your knee wouldn't bend. You'd become a pirate. So. Yeah. Oh, okay. So so when it's that kind of fracture, you still need to use it just lightly. Is that the thing? So it yeah, doesn't like solidify? You, have to like, you still have to. Well, you're supposed to stabilize it. <laughs> I, I just <laughs> continued to work. I'm laughing at myself because I'm so dumb. Um, because I just kept working. Like, Look, that's was, what like, Kate it, did when she got her both legs broken. She was just like, no, no, it's fine. I don't so it's like you're you're not the only person who would do such a thing. Yeah. I mean, I I shot a wedding like the day after, which was I thought it was just like a muscle tear. And then mm-hmm. I I was able to work from home like at my other job like admin stuff, which I continued to do. And then I just started to take like photo jobs like two weeks after. <laughs> <laughs> Which is really stupid. Did you get one of those like scooter things or like how did you I do couldn't, it? I couldn't do that. Everyone's like, get one of those knee scooters and I could, you can't well, do it. Well, yeah, I guess you need to put your, all your weight on the thing that's on broken your knee. if you do that. Yeah. 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 But um, after like three weeks, uh, the doctor's like, you need to start bending your knee. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> but it's broken, sir. But it's broken. Yeah. Um, how do we, how does one do that? But they're like, you have to like have flexion in your knee. Because mm-hmm. then it will f- start to scar tissue fuse and shit. Um, and we don't want that. Yeah. So, but it's good. I've been doing physical therapy and like Pilates and stuff. And there you go. It's getting stronger. But wow, your muscle really fucking takes vacation when you're not using it. It's like, oh, we're not. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> you're not using me later. Well, yeah. it's, fa- it's crazy how fast that happens. So fast. Yeah. It's one of those things where like. And, you know, this is something you more hear with, like, you know, people who work out a lot. But whenever you take that, like, time off, if you're on vacation, if you're doing something, it's like it, it starts to go away pretty fast. Like within like two weeks, you kind of lost a ton of what you had. So you have to kind of just always be on top of it or it's crazy. You lose it, which yeah. just sucks. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't bearing weight for four weeks or something. Mm hmm. And yeah, like my quad muscle is like, and my, and your calf muscle, it's just like jelly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're just like, <Yeah>. whoa. <laughs> it's like, let's just uh, move our resources somewhere else. We don't need this clearly. Yeah. Um, so that's all. It's just like, I'm was constantly when I first started doing PT, I was like, but my knee still hurts. And like all your muscles around your bone are gone. <laughs> They're like, and that is what you need to make your bone happy. Yes. <laughs> that's like, also fuck. probably why it hurts to an extent. A hundred percent. Cause your bone is like, no, <laughs> stop. It's like, wait, wait, wait. I have none of my friends anymore. Yeah. Uh, I can't hold all of it. <laughs> like what? Yeah. It's like, I used to have some buddies that kind of backed me up here. But, um, yeah. Okay. Well, I guess we'll start because I don't know how long this will be. It will be media. It's, um, it's a sad one. You know. Well, sure. Hey, <laughs> we got, we got to cover the gamut. All of the feelings. Most of them are sad. <laughs> yeah. A lot. <laughs> 
Hello and welcome to Circus Stories, a circus history podcast. Hi. <laughs> I'm your host, Callie B. And hello, it's me, Mark Renaudin. And we're bringing you another tumultuous story <gasps> from circus history. Oh, the ups and the downs, and I'm ready for both of them. <laughs> um, and for those that don't know how the show works, each episode I will share a story or topic from circus history and Mark who admittedly has little knowledge of circus in general. I don't know Jack about squat. And so I'm on this, I'm learning with you guys and I'm hopefully asking you the questions that you want to, would yeah. want to ask in this situation, 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 though. That's pretty good. <laughs> uh, it sounds Italian. Um, <laughs> he has no clue what we're going to talk about today. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's going to be a wild ride. <laughs> I'm getting it fresh. Uh, it's going to be fresh. Um, but first, we are going to do our circus word of the day. As is tradition. And Mark, I'll let you guess the definition. Yes, you're please. so good at that. Mm-hmm. Um, today's word is jackpots. Jackpots. I mean, how can you not immediately just think of like, you know, winning big in some way? But- sure. In a circus context, I feel like this is when the circus realizes that like a group of people has maybe has a lot of money or like a local that they want to specifically get to come to the circus so that they'll spend, spend, spend. Okay. Um, yeah, that would be that would be my guess at the, with this context. Is your final answer? I like it. Right. I feel like it's wrong because it seems like <laughs> too obvious. Because I'm not like, that's it. <laughs> well, yes. Yeah. Also, judging by your reaction, I'm like, I'm wrong for sure. <laughs> but I don't have a better option. Uh, historically, yes, your track record. However, um, it's not that. But so this is what jackpots is. Uh, and I got this from Ballycast. Dot com jackpots are troopers tall tales oh so troopers being those that have been on the show for a long time of their former exploits so one would be like we're cutting up jackpots so regular folks would be like these are war stories you know those kinds of things gotcha okay so the good stories yeah swapping stories yeah the jackpots i, guess. I would not have guessed me neither I would never have gotten his stories. I, I see it. I get it. I do too. But context, I was like, what? But yeah, I would not have guessed that. That's why it's a circus lingo. It's not for us. <laughs> That's why. Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's to trick rubes like us. It is a trick because uh, we can't decode it. But now we can. Now we know the secret. And so do you, brave listeners. It's true. So I'm going to give just a blanket warning, trigger warning for listeners uh, new or not new, that this story is an old circus history happening. So there is um, mention of circus animals, and this particular story is has some death and fire. I'm getting that this is going to be a sad one. It's a sad one, and it's a yeah. it's kind of tragic. So if you don't want to listen to that, maybe you skip this. Yeah, one. maybe save it for a day you're feeling a little bit more up. Yeah, this isn't like a peppy trapeze uplifting experience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it is part of circus history and we are going to revisit it. Um We got to cover it. So today we are going to talk about a well-known disaster that I've kind of been avoiding, <laughs> but we are going to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Let's yeah, let's get right into yeah, it. Yeah, because it is a large piece of circus history. So again, trigger warning for sadness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> trigger warning for sadness. And train train wreckage. <laughs> um, and fire and animals and mm-hmm. people in peril. Um, so we're going to discuss the 1918 Hagenbeck Wallace train wreck. So well known, I think, amongst circus fans and you know, and those alike, but uh we'll dive into the the tragedy of this is not the tragedy of it all sure um and if for some reason we make jokes mark and i it's because we're just trying to trudge through this it's what you do in life is the you know you make comedy out of tragedy because otherwise you you're just depressed yeah it's uh we're not making light of any any uh people that were injured or passed in this horrible disaster so uh up top just letting you guys know. Uh, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna horrible... be our best to be respectful and entertaining. It's true, uh, but according to the Chicago Tribune, essentially what had happened is this is a horrible train wreck. I will get into it, but uh, it killed eighty six people and injured one hundred twenty twenty seven. Wow! And it occurred June twenty second, nineteen eighteen, near Hammond, Indiana. The Hagenbeck Wallace Circus had just finished two shows in Michigan City and was heading to Hammond when an empty train on another track, basically, or no, on the same track, but behind them, barreled into them, essentially. Oh, like they stopped and the other one kept going? Right. They stopped and uh, I'll I'll tell you why they stopped. But um, so again, if you guys don't want to listen to this very sad story, we skip it. Um, So... uh, now, Hagen Wallace is not a circus necessarily that we've discussed in the past. So, um, a tiny bit well, of background. Hagen was, if I remember right. Yes, Carl. Yeah, he was the guy who dealt with all the animals. He, like, yeah. sold all the exotic animals to people. Yeah, he's a German animal dealer. We'll revisit him in another episode. Mm-hmm. By the time this happens, he's already passed away. Oh, wow. He passes okay. away in 1913. I read a little bit about him. He's not great. He's a really not good guy. I believe it. I mean, this his name only ever comes up in the episodes where someone is like, hmm, I just need to get a bunch of animals fast. Like, I think what we were yeah. talking about, um, speaking of like tragedies, we we're talking about the fire at P.T. Barnum's or mm-hmm. one of several fires. Yeah, one of, of several. Mm-hmm. And Hagenbeck was the guy that P.T. just was like, um, I, I know a year ago I came and said I needed like, Eight elephants, six giraffes, and a lion. But I need all those again, maybe double, because who knows what's going to happen this year. Yeah, the Christmas fires. And he basically yeah. supplied him with like Just a bunch of animals like two weeks later. But oh, and the sad thing was this fucking evil crook probably was like, great. Yeah, he's going through them like wildfire. He needs more animals. That's more money for me. Yeah, he's... We'll talk about him in another episode, but he, that's like his thing was like, he would just get exotic animals and he was a dealer of them. And it's alleged that he was like, he was a trainer, an animal trainer, and he practiced the more gentle method of training. But yeah, but I don't know if I buy that. I don't believe yeah. it. <laughs> I don't believe it. Uh, yeah. If he really cared about animals, he would probably stop selling them to PT after all of the fires. Yeah. Like, you need more? Sure, sure. Also, like, the method of getting these animals is they would murder their mother. Like, and then get the babies. It's horrible. Yeah. It's it's poaching. Giant way of poaching. Yeah. yeah. 
super, super poaching. <laughs> mm-hmm. But Hagenbeck Wallace Circus was formed by Benjamin Wallace and Carl Hagenbeck, both independent, quote unquote, showmen who merged their circus assets. So the circus began as Carl Hagenbeck Circus. He had a circus that he formed. He was an animal trainer who allegedly pioneered the use of reward-based animal training as opposed to a fear-based animal training. I will have to investigate that further. I feel like not true. <laughs> yeah, that's curious. Because, yeah, I don't, I don't know about that. It seems wrong, but yeah. whatever. He's also credited with, like, creating um, basically, like, habitat zoos where, like, the zoo oh. is, like, the habitat of the animal that... Yeah, it's... You, you really forget that zoos used to just be concrete squares. Like, it was literal prison. Mm-hmm. I mean, it still technically is prison, but, like, at least their environments are closer. Like, it's it's better than it was. I mean, still, you could argue that zoos in general shouldn't exist. But, yes. Um, but he also was, like... uh <laughs> I'm I'm bleeding too much into him because he's so horrible. But he also was like human zoos. Whoa, gross, Whoa. gross, 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 gross. Didn't know about that. Yeah, so you're just like, oh yeah, 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 cool. Yeah, 1905, fucking sweet. Yeah, yeah. So I don't. This can't. This guy could not have invented the be nice to animal strategy. That's that's crap. hundred percent. Those are my supporting arguments. He's talking about human zoos. Yeah, yeah, yeah he sucks. This guy. Um, but he's dead when this happens. Uh, not that that is good or bad, but whatever. <laughs> a little justice, at least. Time finds a way. We don't like him. Um, there's a Carl Hagenbeck circus full of a bunch of animals. So um, As is his style. Yeah, he, he loves it. Um, and then there's Benjamin Wallace, who was a stable owner from Peru, Indiana. And his business partner, James Anderson, they bought a circus in 1884. They created the Great Wallace Show, which gained some prominence. And then Wallace eventually bought out his partner Anderson in 1890 and then formed B.E. Wallace Circus. In 1907, Wallace purchased Carl Hagenbeck's circus from him, like basically his circus asset, merged it with his, and this became known as the Hagenbeck Wallace Circus at the time. But Carl Hagenbeck was like, hey, I don't want you using my name. Because he was kind of well-known, you know, as like the animal guy. Um, And he sued... Uh, Wallace to prohibit the use of his name, but he lost in court. Huh. Good. <laughs> yeah. It's weird. It's weird that he would merge this, like their circuses and then be like, but don't use my name. Well, Wallace is like bought his circus and yeah. then Hagenbeck was like, okay, I don't want you to use my name, mm-hmm. but cause he bought Hagenbeck circus. Yeah. But Hagenbeck was like, don't use my name. And Wallace is like, I just bought your circus. I can, I can it. do it. I can call it whatever I want. <laughs> I bought it. I own it. Yeah. But it is fun. It's like you're bought, you bought his last name. You bought his likeness. That's like a weird thing. Um, it is. And it's also like, but, you know, in theory, Hockenbeck also had a circus that had his own name on it. Right. I mean, I guess, you know, you don't want someone else to control your name as a brand. Like, that is weird. But that's the brand. Yeah, exactly. It's like, so. It's like if you bought Campbell's, right? Yeah. And then, and then the Campbell family was like, but, but well, we don't want you to have the name. It's like. That's the name. But that's why it's valuable is because people know Campbell's. Yeah. Right. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. That, that's the kind of thing. It's like, uh, maybe maybe you should have said that before the sale. <laughs> right? Yeah. So he purchases that from Hagebeck in 1907. And 
it's alleged that Wallace bought out all of his investors that had like part ownership of this Hog and Wallace Circus for 125000 except for one investor, John C. Talbot, who was part investor at the time. A contemporary Peru newspaper article reported that since Wallace owns most of the stock, his holdings were now greater than those of any other showman in the country, probably the world, which probably not true, but you know. But he was like becoming really, you know, famous as far as the circus world is concerned, which was pretty hard to do at that time in like the early 19s, you know, Mm -hmm. um, 1910s or whatever. Yeah. Who was still on the circuit at that point? I mean, I would imagine that like. The so there's ones. Barnum and Bailey and there's Ringling Brothers. Those are like yeah. the tops. Yeah. But Ringling Brothers had purchased Barnum and Bailey from uh, James Bailey's estate, essentially, in 1906. Yeah. But they did not start to... Um, <clears throat> uh, the shows were running separately. So mm-hmm. they solidified that purchase in 1907. But then they started to run the shows separately still. So they were making money. That's why the Ringling Brothers were like, they're killing it because they had the two largest circuses separate. Yeah, they just owned both with different exactly. names. So you imagined you could get something different, which I mean, I'm sure it was subtly different, but. Yeah, yeah. And they, but they're huge. So for those couple of years, they had both of the biggest circuses. And then yeah. in 1919, they had to merge the circuses simply because. There was a shortage of labor and everyone was fighting a war. Yeah. <laughs> so they're like, like, we well, can't. We just can't afford to do this anymore. Yeah, we just can't afford. So those were like the top dogs ringling in Barnum and Bailey. And then Wallace was kind of coming up in like the circus game, you know. He acquires more circus assets. Um, Norris and Rowe Circus is another circus that he kind of buys out in 1910. Mm-hmm. In March 1913, this, his circus like loses eight elephants, 21 lions Jeez. and tigers, eight performing horses, all in this great flood of 1913, which like, fuck. Um, so separate disaster. Separate disaster. A lot of disasters. Yeah. Um, well, I, you got to wonder what they were in that flooded. Like. I think it was just like a... Just some kind of like they were like in a winter quarters and they mm-hmm. all just like I would say lack of attention. Maybe. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> so it's like you, what are you, you doing? You're just like let them out. <laughs> yeah, like, let them just, out or put them up higher. Yeah, like, even like, if you're a fucking villain, just let them out and then wrangle them after. Like you know what I yeah. mean? Like yeah, it's better than just letting much. them die. Like if you're yeah. if you only think of them as money, it's still better to save them. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Yeah. After losing all these animals in this great flood, Wallace sells his interest in the circus. So neither of these gentlemen own the circus anymore. Oh, okay. So it's just the name at this point. Right. He sells his interest in the circus to a guy, Ed Ballard. <laughs> Fuck it. You can only lose 18 animals, like like lions. <laughs> I know, right? And six horses once before you got to give it up. Right. So neither uh, Hagenbeck nor Wallace are owners at this point in 1918 mm-hmm. when this thing this uh event occurs but so we are now in the summer of 1918 the circus the hog and wallace is still like a burgeoning big circus that's like you know rising up um and circus traveling circuses in general are like a business model that people are trying to aspire to be mm-hmm. they're thriving and thanks to like train travel all these circuses that were maybe on wheels can like utilize the train mm-hmm 
And like the transcontinental railway had been completed for 50 years plus at that point. So state state to state travel was way easier, faster. They could utilize um, train cars and like customize the train cars for what they needed if they could afford to buy that many. But Mm -hmm. like have some animal ones, food one, you know, living quarters. Exactly. You could dedicate certain rail cars to certain like loads. Basically, it's like a sleeper car for performers, stock cars for the animals, flatbed cars for like tents and trucks and whatever else. So it was very customizable for whatever circus Mm -hmm. needs you had. Um, And at this time, Hagenbeck Wallace was utilizing the Michigan Central Railroad bound for Hammond, Indiana. And again, the circus was considered to be the second leading traveling circus next to Barnum and Bailey. So third, probably, because Barnum and Bailey and Ringling Brothers. Yeah, because they're split up at this point. Right, right. But according to Wikipedia, at its peak, it was the second largest circus in America next to Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey. But, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just anyone can say Wikipedia. That. So <laughs> the Wikipedia of it all. Um, mm-hmm. You're not allowed to use it on your tests. Or what was it? Your research papers. Yeah. It's true, right? And I never do. <laughs> no, no, we never did that. Except for this test and research paper. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So according to this article written by Lorraine Boissonault, I think is how you say her name, um, Smithsonian Magazine article that was released June 22nd, 2018. So marking 100 years after this disaster, Lorraine writes, quote, the Hagenbeck Wallace Circus wasn't the largest show in the country, but it came close. By 1918, the company employed around 250 performers, from acrobats to equestrians, clowns to lion tamers. It was formed in 1907, which we already discussed. Mm-hmm. And circus owner Benjamin Wallace purchased Carl Hagenbeck Circus. The outfit had since grown to be a $1 million extravaganza that required two separate trains of 28 cars each to transport all the performers, animals, costumes, and gear across the country. That's a lot. Yeah. So when they were traveling, they had two separate trains housing all of the stuff that the circus required. Yeah. So, I mean, I I know that they're probably not as big, but for context, do we know offhand how big, like... Barnum and Bailey, for example, how big their train car thing was. Cause that's like, that's like 40 something train cars for this circuit. That's, that sounds pretty big. Um, there's, I know it was like a mile long ringlings. That's um, wild. Yeah. It's that's so much stuff. Like that's not even just people. Like that's just so, so much gear and animals. Oh yeah. I mean, ringling, this is 250 performers plus all of the cat, the cast and crew plus all the crew. Right. So this outfit is probably around 400 plus people. Mm-hmm. Um, Ringling is about a thousand. You know what so I mean? So crazy. So double and and then some. So yeah, you could probably geez. say that they have their train cars. Probably I keep thinking like 56 cars each train. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably. Jeez, it's like kind of cool to think that there are just entire trains that are just circuses. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. that's, it's kind of cool. Like, Yeah, it is cool. Because most of the time you think a train is just, you know, I'm just carrying supplies or people. And this one's like both and they're zany as hell. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're holding a ton of animals. Like, people mm-hmm. are sleeping in them. There's crew. There's a bunch, of, a bunch of tents in there. I'm sure there's an entire one that's just pies. I hope so. There I better so. be. Just shaking in there. 
just mm-hmm. like one that's just full of popcorn. Mm, <laughs> yum, 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 yum. Um, so, in fact, it was trains that made all of this business possible. Quote, the enormous growth of railroads in the post-Civil War era fueled the golden age of circuses, writes historian Doug Wissing. What a fun last name, Wissing. That is a good one. Um, Quote, instead of plodding through the mud at 10 miles a day from small town to small town, circuses hitched their rail cars to trains and clattered to cities hundreds of miles apart overnight. Well, could you also, could you imagine carrying that much stuff any other way? Like in in that time frame, like there was just nothing even close to the same. Yeah, but people did it in wagons like, you know, years prior. Mm -hmm. And they're just like, well, I guess we're going 10 miles down the road (laughs) because that's all we can fucking do. That's because all you can do. Yeah. And also like how, you know, how many horses do you need then to carry all that? Like, yeah, a lot. And like they're tired, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They get they get tuckered. Mm hmm. By the turn of the, of the 20th century, nearly 100 circuses roamed the United States, more than a third of them traveling by rail. So that puts it in perspective, right? Like there's 100 circuses to be number three. It's pretty good mm-hmm. considering. Still good. Yeah. Yeah. Circuses were an unmatched spectacle, bringing together a nation rapidly filling with, with new immigrants from different cultures and different backgrounds. As cultural historian Rodney Hugh writes, quote, the day the circus came to town was a holiday, disrupting the daily lives of its citizens, often to the point that stores closed, factories shut down, and school classes were dismissed. Wow. As for the Hagenbeck Wallace Circus, it was the nation's third largest circus and considered the Midwestern version of the East Coast P.T. Barnum show. Mm, So, yeah. They got the middle of the country on lock. Yeah. Um, when the Hagenbeck Wallace show came to town, visitors could expect some of the most superbly trained animals, animals, <laughs> <laughs> renowned trapeze artists and breathtaking equestrian routines. It was very like animal heavy because Hagenbeck. Oh, sure. You know, fucking that guy. Yeah. That's, that's, you know, if he had one thing, it was animals. It's uh, unfortunate, but that was like his thing. Um, of course, traveling by train came with it, risks, of course, right? So railroad accidents were common and they were deadly. Sure. Because <laughs> trains were not like that great. Like they weren't awesomely made. They were they were newer. It was the newer era of trains. They were newer. Yeah. And I'm sure that there was bandits, you know, that we know that that happened from cowboy movies. Sure, from the cowboy movies. Yeah. From those historical cowboy movies. Which is historical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, in 1892... When the circus was simply the Great Wallace Show, a railroad wreck resulted in 26 trained horses being killed. So there was Jeez. an accident with mm-hmm. Wallace's show. And prior to the big one we're going to cover. Right. Jeez, what's with these guys and reoccurring the exact same mistakes? I know. So no people, but just a bunch of horses passed away, which is very sad. Um, yeah, and it makes, that makes you wonder, like, how does that... Maybe, maybe, maybe there was something wrong with the... You know, you'd imagine they're all in the same uh, cab or is that? the Yeah, they are. They are. They're in like a a stock car. They're like. Yeah. So maybe something just with that stock car happened. But otherwise, you're kind of like, why? Yeah. How does that happen? Because it's not right. Like, yeah, if you had a brake hard, you'd think that like everyone would go flying. So why just the The horses? horses? That's a great question. I mean, unless it was just that cab was fucked up. You know what I mean? Like something. Yeah. But even then, 
Like you think that the the ones in front and behind it would also some get messed up by that? I don't know. It's a great point. It's suspicious, is all I'm saying. Right for insurance. They're like the brakes are broken. <laughs> Throw horses in front of it. Like what? What's <laughs> happening? How does that happen? Um, another accident occurred in 1903 with the second train which didn't slow down on its approach into the yard and slammed into the train ahead of it. This uh, resulted in killing 26 men and several animals, according to Richard Lytle, who was the author of The Great Circus Train Wreck of 1918. Well, at least this one seems to be like, there's no there, there's no bias towards species. It was just, yeah. the, and this happened and, thing, and it, living things got hurt. And there's, physics, like, that makes sense, right? Like, one train hit another. Yeah, exactly. And they crashed. <laughs> sure. Exactly. You would just imagine that the collateral damage would just be spread. Correct, right. Or maybe just whoever's towards the front, you know? Yeah. So now cut to this 1918 wreck. The big one. The big one. The circus had just completed two performances in Michigan City, Indiana, and was traveling overnight the 45 miles to the nearby city of Hammond, Indiana. So the first train, because they traveled by two trains, right? The the first trains carrying workers, many of the circus animals, and it was cruising on to its next destination with no problems. But the engineers on the second train halted their progress to fix a hot box. Is that like an electrical? I think so. It was something there. The overheated axle bearing had like a could cause possibly cause like a fire on the train if not dealt immediately. Mm, okay. This is I don't know. Stuff got hotter back then. That's what Smithsonian Magazine is saying. So I believe them. Yeah. And they are named after a museum. Yeah. And they're really smart and they yeah. check stuff. Um, uh, so it's around 4 a.m. when the second train which has the hot box issue, it pulls off onto a sidetrack. But the last five cars, including um, the last five cars, including four wooden sleeper cars remained on the main track. So, Oh, like they didn't pull forward enough. Right. So almost their, their tail of the train is still on the main track. Oh, their butts out. Oh no. The butts out. So as engineers worked and the performers slept, an empty non-circus train. God, yeah. And this is at four in the morning. Of course, Jesus. Oh, right. God. So there's another train that was used to transport soldiers because it's the war. The war is happening, right? A non-circus train used to transport soldiers to the East Coast for subsequent deployment to the war front in Europe. It comes barreling down the main track. Uh-oh. The driver blows past several stop signals because they have like the stop signals on because they have pulled the second train has pulled over. Right. That makes sense. Um, and then the lamps of the sub of the circus engineers trying desperately to stop the oncoming train. They have like the lamps they're showing uh-huh. and they're not stopping. Jeez. You I wonder if they're like asleep at the wheel or something. I mean, it's late at night. They are. So Michigan Central Troop Train Engineer Alonzo Al, Sergeant, was at the helm of that oncoming troop train that caused the tragedy. It's alleged that Sergeant has dozed off at the controls. Yeah. Um, I had read reports that a combination of lack of sleep and a series of heavy meals had attributed to him dozing off. And I was like, you, yeah, God. The amount of uh, just calamitous damage that tryptophan has caused, I am not surprised. 
Too many stews, right? Too <laughs> many hefty stews. He's like, you expect me to stay awake? I ate mashed potatoes. Right? Um, so there's another position that there's a guy that's called the fireman. The fireman. Like he's a, a fireman in the in the train. So I don't mm-hmm. know if he's like the coal guy. Oh, like what what the fireman as a position is. Yeah. He's the stoker. It's yeah, he's the stoker. Or, oh, it is the coal guy. Yeah, he's the stoker or water tender. I'm just looking it up now. That's fine. Sure. Um, <laughs> Real time knowledge. Uh, he's his occupation is to tend the fire for the running of the boiler. Mm, important. Heating a building or powering the steam train. Yeah. So boilers, boilers strike again. Oh, yeah. All of the worst things are caused by boilers that aren't properly manned. It's true. So Sergeant, the engineer, doze off. Too mm-hmm. many stews. Too many stews. Happens to everybody. And then um, it's hard to account for the fireman, this guy Gustav Klaus, who mm-hmm. missed the danger warnings because he was just boiling, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> head down, boiling. D- yeah, head down. He was just a workhorse right. and he just kept on keeping on. The problem is, okay, so the circus train is they're wooden train cars. They're wood? They're wooden. And the troop train cars are like metal, steel, Pullman sleeper cars. Yeah. Because that's that's what I would assume that all trains were made out of steel. I didn't know that trains were made out of wood. Well, now. <laughs> well, now, yeah, now sure. Yeah, yeah, maybe they're like, maybe, maybe we do something tougher than wood. Yeah, after a bunch of fire, like, uh, fire and train wrecks, yeah. Yeah, the um, amount of friction going on on a train, like. And that's why they had to wood. probably check that hot box, because if it's too hot, it will catch fire. Now that makes right? a lot. Yeah, that makes sense. Jeez. So. The circus wooden train cars were equipped with oil lamps. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, my God, Kelly. This is like when we did the coverage of the circus fire. It's true. It's like perfect storm. And you just start like hearing about the things that they're using at the time. And you're like, why would you do that? Why would you do oil lamps in a wooden bit? Why? It's like, look, if you did oil lamps in a house, that's in a wood house. That's (laughs) one thing because the house isn't moving (laughs) at 60 miles an hour. It's no good. It's no good. (laughs) Yeah. And it's just and, and you and you. In theory, you put them out when you're asleep. But like, oh, oh my God. God. All right, keep going. Let's see. Let's see what other uh, foreboding so, uh, factors are on. Involved. So the wooden train cars were equipped with oil lamps, says former Hammond mm-hmm. Historical Society member Richard Lytle, who wrote that book, Circus Train Wreck of 1918, Tragedy on the Indiana Lakeshore. He continues, quote, upon impact, the circus train lamps ignited the wooden cars. Fucking blew up. Yeah. And the fire <laughs> spread quickly. End quote. Yeah, no yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's almost like there was a flammable liquid that just got exploded everywhere. Yeah, because there's like fucking alcohol, kerosene, yeah. acetate, whatever the and fuck is in these lamps. And impact collision. <sighs> God. So Al Sargent, the impacting, the guy mm-hmm. driving that impacted this train, the impacting trains engineer at the helm of the empty troop train who was pulling approximately 20 to 21 unoccupied steel frame pulling Pullman cars, which upon impact smashed into the wooden church, sorry, <laughs> smashed into the wooden circus coaches 
smashed into them at speeds between 25 and 60 miles per hour, according to contemporary newspaper reports. Um, Just probably got obliterated. It was steel smashing into wood. wood. Fucking that fast. Like, Jesus Christ. Uh, The sound of the collision was so loud that nearby farmers awoke and hurried to see what happens. Because they're like in rural Indiana in 1918. (laughs) Like, Just farms and nothing. Yeah, so like you hear this this explosion. Not what you're used to hearing. I'm sure miles away you're like, what the fuck? Like, so according to various reports, the second circus train consisted of, like I said, four wooden sleepers, Five stock cars, 15 flat cars, and the caboose. Uh-huh. So all of those are are at the tail, I think. That's the stuff that's, that's still that's on four, the track. That's four, five, six. Let's wait. Like, that's the butt that they didn't. Yeah. But that's, no, that's 28. Yeah, wait. They said 28 cars each. That's 15, 20, 24, 25. Yeah, they must have had their butt out crazy. That doesn't make sense. That's a, that's a lot because, yeah, like they... Like you said, that that's almost the whole train. That's almost the whole train. Uh, which pulled partway into the switch. They pulled partway into the switch and stalled there. They didn't pull into that switch too far. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like yeah, it sounds like they just like barely did it technically, and they're like, ah, yeah, 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 it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. This thing is too hot. We gotta cool it down. This is so. Well, I'll tell you why this is interesting because there's a. There's a gentleman that talks about how he was at the caboose and didn't really get impacted too much, but that's the end. Oh, but that's what would have gotten hit, I would think. Right, right. Like the sleeper cars really get it. Yeah. So, and they're at the front. So have, I don't yeah. understand how the switch worked. Maybe it was, I don't understand. Maybe they pulled in and backed into it. I don't In, know. Like Unless it changed the angle that the train was resting at somehow. Like, right. like maybe the switch kind of went and turned a little bit so that the front of the car was just kind of like, but even then, then the butt should be on the same track that the incoming car is on. So how does that? Maybe they're just, I mean, the switch is just a little pull in. It's got, maybe it's just a little, pull but in. even if it's just a little pull in, you'd still imagine that the back half of the train is on the track. You know what I mean? Yeah, like even if right. the front comes in just a little bit, cause that's what I was thinking too. That you're kind of making an L and maybe it hits at the neck of the L. But it that, yeah. that only works if there are two separate full tracks. Well, I'm going to send you some photos and we're going to suss it out right now. because I'm. So yeah. Mad. And then in the meantime, you train heads yeah. out there. Um, send us <laughs> messages and let us know how this would be yeah. possible. Because there must be some train aficionados out there who are like, oh, but of course, if you're on a split, it's going to completely change the direction you're facing. Um, and Kelly and I just don't know enough about train baseline <laughs> to understand how this is even possible. Yeah, we're not train heads over here. No. That's not our expertise. Like, all of it was making complete sense until the fact that the back didn't get the worst of it. Okay, here, okay, I'm just going to send you a couple, and then we, maybe we can figure this out. This is, I mean, it's yeah, such a fucked up. <laughs> I mean, it, the, unless, and this just seems wrong, but unless it it like pushed the back there's it's so fucked up so it's like how how could how could one tell but really it just seems like the back one should have gotten the mat the most of the impact oh shit yeah that's the that's the front of it there for sure that's the front maybe so the only thing that i can think is that maybe it pushed it forward like it collided 
pushes it forward and the front that's kind of on the side, like I kind of like turned off a little bit, gets like rolls kind of forward and gets the most destroyed because the other ones are on the track and can just keep going forward. Yeah. I'm going to give you a couple of counts of people on the train and stuff. So yeah, maybe it'll, it'll offer some clarity, even though I've read this <laughs> a couple times and still can't figure it out, <laughs> but okay. These, yeah, these photos are wild. Yeah. They're insane. So let's see. They stall on the switch. A flagman sets fuses as a warning. The circus train was in its position when the empty troop train plowed into the sleeper cars first, reducing them into a pile of tangled steel and timbers, eventually catching fire from all the gas lanterns. So I guess the caboose guy just has a survivor's tail. And I'm assuming that the caboose didn't get obliterated. But it sounds like the sleeper cars were in the back. So because the train pulled into the switch part way, leaving the sleeper cars exposed, that's the majority of the people on the train. So there's like five cars exposed on the main track. And that's where all the people are <laughs> inconvenient. But that, that makes sense. That makes sense. Very crazy. Thank God they weren't waterproofed. I know, right? Henry Miller, the assistant light manager, was among the survivors thrown from the wreckage with minor injuries. Quote, I was in the last coach next to the caboose and was asleep when we were hit. He told the Chicago Daily Tribune after a day after the accident, quote, I woke up to the sound of splintering wood. Oh, God. Then there was another crash and another and another. The train buckled on itself. It parted in the center as clean as though it had been sliced with a giant knife. Whoa. That's scary. I mean, yeah, steel. Wow. Yeah, it's steel. And, you know, we know the front of trains have that point so they could knock debris and stuff off without completely fucking the train. But basically what we have now is a metal wedge going 60 miles an hour into a, into a piece of wood. Yeah, it just splinters, goes right through it. A big piece of wood. Jesus, of course it does. And then it just lights it on fire as it goes. Oh my God, so crazy. And again, how is the caboose not the worst damage? So uh, how many people were killed or injured from the collision is impossible to say. In the moments after the impact, the kerosene lamps that hung in the hallways of the wooden cars quickly set everything aflame. Yeah. Survivors clawed their way out of the debris or called for help before fire engulfed them. This is trigger a warning for a fire. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. Um, acrobat Eugene Enos, trapped beneath some wooden beams, received aid from his wife, Mary, and Lawnmower, a clown. Quote, we pulled him clear just as the flames licked at him. Mary later told the Chicago Daily Tribune. Again, another trigger warning. Oh, okay, because this is just really graphic and it's very sad. Most weren't so lucky. The fire spread so quickly that crash survivors risked their own lives to pull friends and family out of the wreckage. Although the Gary and Hammond fire departments arrived as quickly as possible, the only source of water were nearby shallow marshes. Yeah, that's the other thing. They're in the middle of a lot of just like unmade land. It's just a lot of farmland, like. You don't have the infrastructure. Yeah. Just on train tracks. So it's not like yeah. they, they have to bring them water. And like that takes time. And like. Well, and you would imagine they would use the train maybe to transport large quantities of water, which now, I mean, mm. a little tricky. Yeah, a little tricky. A little tricky. 
A wrecking crane was also brought to the accident site to dig people out, but couldn't initially be used because the heat from the fire was so intense. The Daily Gate City and Constitution Democrat and Iowa newspaper wrote later that day, quote, the task of identifying the dead and seriously injured was almost hopeless. Not only were many of the bodies burned so badly that recognition was impossible, but practically everyone on the train was killed or hurt. Yeah. Yeesh. It's alleged that more than 100 people were injured in the accident, and that number jumps, you know, to like 127, I believe. Mm-hmm. And 86 were killed, including some of Circus's most famed performers, animal trainer Millie Jewell, dubbed the girl without fear, Jenny Ward Tall, Todd, sorry, Jenny Ward Todd, an aerialist and member of the Flying Wards, bareback rider Louise Cottrell, and Wild West rider Verna Connor, strongman brothers Arthur and Joseph Derricks, and the wife and two young sons of Chief Clown Joseph Coyle. And Joseph survived, and we'll discuss him in a moment. Um, and all of that's sourced from that June 22nd, 2018 Smithsonian Magazine article. So here I'm going to read a couple um, news articles that were written a couple days after the actual disaster uh, back in 1918. Again, trigger warning. These are very sad and graphic. The Leader Tribune out of Laverne, Oklahoma, reported on July 12th, 1918, train wreck kills 60. So at that point, they had not had the final count of those deceased. Nearly 200 injured when engine plows through circus train near Gary, Indiana, reported June 24th. The known death list is... I'm sorry, the known death list in the collision between an equipment train and a Wallace Hagenbeck circus train was increased tonight to 60 with the recovery of eight additional bodies and the death of another member of the circus troupe at the Gary Hospital. 129 are in the hospital in Gary and Hammond tonight as a result of the rear end collision at dawn Saturday between an equipment train and a Wallace Hagenbeck circus train on the Michigan Central Railroad, five miles west of Gary. Virtually all victims were members of the circus. 38 bodies, all except one charred beyond recognition, have been placed in Gary undertaking establishments tonight. 22 bodies have been taken to Hammond. Identification of all except a few were not attempted today. Search of the wreck for bodies continued tonight. So they don't have their final you know, uh, body count, correct, necessarily. But, yeah, of um, course. And it's interesting that they keep saying equipment train ran into them like they're not saying like empty yeah like, i thought it was the m- maybe they didn't want it to be associated with the military you know like yeah or the war and they're like we're fucking up whoops yeah they might want to be like you know we want to have a lot of support for the war so we're not going to blame them yeah 100 percent. like keeping morale up keeping appearances up that kind of thing like obviously you could argue that the circus train didn't pull in enough but also, it sounds like they did a lot of precautionary things on the track. Yeah, the guys were asleep. <laughs> it really boiled down to that fucking guy being asleep. Like, it, it was, it, all of this was because a guy was asleep at the wheel. Yeah, which is a bummer, but yeah. Yeah, don't don't eat stew and drive, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, don't too much stew. Um, the Courier Journal out of Louisville, Kentucky reported on June 23rd, 1918. So this is a day after, or the, yeah, the day after this happened, the day after the disaster Uh, This article begins much like the Leader Tribune with details of 60 persons known to be killed and 129 known to be in the hospital as a result of the collision. 
The article continues, quote, as a result of the rear end collision at dawn today between an equipment train and the Walls Hagenbeck Circus train. Again, it says five miles west of Gary. It echoes that most all members were of the circus. Um, it also details that many bodies were beyond recognition due to the bodily damage from the fire. Um, and that they had been placed in Gary, Indiana, undertaking establishments. It goes on to echo the 22 bodies were taken to Hammond for eventual identification, but not yet attempted. Quote, those who died of injuries in hospital were known, but efforts of giving names to the burned, mutilated bits of humanity taken from the wreck were reserved for tomorrow. Wow. Um, Yeah. Yikes. Uh, The identified dead is, it provides a list of identified deceased people. And it's like a a list of names. There's about 21 people. And among them, it basically lists like the name and their city of origin. So like, for example, it's like Earl Michael Berry, New York, Mrs. Joseph Poyle and two sons. And it lists age seven and 11. And that's the wife and two sons of the chief clown, Joseph Coyle. Um, I also read that her son's ages were nine and two and a half. Oh, jeez. Yeah. And it says Cincinnati. So this list is like 21 people, their names, their city, their names, their city. The article continues, quote, search of body continues. Officers of the circus made futile attempts during the day to obtain more complete casualty lists. Work of removing the mass of debris from shattered circus coaches in further search of bodies continued tonight. Al Sergeant, engineer, and Krauss, fireman who piloted the train of 21 empty troop Pullman cars that cut its way through the circus train have been placed under arrest. The empty troop train traveling down a straight stretch of track totally demolished three of the flimsy circus coaches and badly damaged the fourth. According to reports to local authorities, the circus, which carried four sleeper cars, five stock cars, 15 flat cars, and a caboose, pulled apart, um, pulled its way into a switch and stalled there on account of a hot box. Um, and it explains how the flagman went back onto the main track. He sent fuses as a warning of danger. The circus train was in this position when the equipment train plowed into the sleeper cars, reducing them into a pile of tangled steel and timbers. And then the fire caught immediately after. Uh, okay. More trigger warning. Cause this is very sad. Um, clowns, bareback riders, trapeze performers, and acrobats. Many of them veterans in the circus world perished in the first great crash. Other victims were suffocated and burned attempts of the Gary fire department to curb the flames and make possible quick access to the imprisoned victims were unsuccessful because of the lack of water supply in that outlying district. Yeah. Survivors struggled about the wreck screaming for relatives or friends and only force prevented two or three men from rushing into the blazing wreckage. So people are just like screaming to get out and they can't get in there. Yeah. Well, like that. And that's the thing. Like all of these boxes are, you assume if not obliterated, completely damaged in a way where you might not be able to open a door. Maybe the door doesn't work. Maybe the door is destroyed and crashed. And in the meantime, Everything's made of wood. Everything is touching each other. And it's just slowly, if not quickly, catching and with smoke and everything like that. I mean, it's just... Yeah. It's just bad news. There's not a lot you can do. And then the people watching, it's like, well, you know, can you even get in there? Like, that's the thing about fire when it's so big is like, 
the like there's a reason that firemen have to wear those suits and it's not it's <laughs> yeah. it's not just that like they're touching the fire it's like being anywhere vaguely close to the fire even if you're not in it it's just so fucking hot like fire is hot dude. it's very hot have you ever like driven by a fire on the side of the road it's like oh, that shit is well, hot I, you could feel I it i forget which episode we talk about this in but there was a fire i don't live at the same apartment anymore but there's a fire across the street from my apartment yeah before. i remember and i was so i was on like the the second floor and no the third floor and it was my my apartment faced the street there was the street there was one house and then there the, the house beyond that that house was on fire and the flames were huge they were like at least three stories tall and Jesus. i could feel the heat from inside the apartment that far away I like I like straight up like if I went on the balcony, it felt like when your face is near a campfire. It felt that hot. Yeah. Oh and if God. I went inside and touched the the glass sliding door, it was hot. And that was wow. that's how far away I was. So like that's why they have to wear those suits. You literally can't get close to a fire that big. Like it's just too hot. I mean the sun is so far away from us. <laughs> and it's so hot. <laughs> like, it's so far away from us, and it's so hot. That ball of fire is so hot, and it's so far. It's so hot. And then if you're feeling the summer in L.A. or honestly anywhere this year, correct. Yeah. But, like, that's how hot it is. Yeah. So, yeah, fire's hot, you guys. Fuck you guys. If you didn't know, fire's hot. <laughs> fire's hot. Check your boilers. <laughs> uh, so, this article continues. Hours after the crash bodies charred black were still being recovered as the derricks of wrecking trains thinned the pile of debris. There were numerous pitiful scenes at the wreck and later in the hospitals. Joe Coyle, that chief clown, Mm -hmm. wept bitterly as he lay on a stretcher and told how his wife and two babies had joined him only recently on the show. Oh, God. After months of absence... And how all three had been crushed to death at his very side. That is so, so fucked up. Like, and to be that guy, and I bet you he was like, no, come on the road with me. Like, it would be great. Like, this is how we get to stay together. Oh, my God. He probably just the guilt on that. Yeah. And so his this quote in the paper, this is his quote. The kitties had been so glad to see their daddy, he said. I wish I could have died with them. Yeah. That's that's so bad. That's so fucking sad. Ugh. It's so sad. I'm going to show you a picture of him because he's so, so adorable. I don't know man. how you don't just get like destroyed emotionally forever after that. Wow. That's so sad. <laughs> so, so sad. Oh, yeah. And he's Jesus. just like this like skinny, cute, like you could see him in clown makeup. This guy is mm-hmm. just like. Oh, 100 percent. Oh, God. So. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. From a Chicago Sun-Times article published June 24th, 2021, it's revisiting this tragedy. Sure. The crash caused tanks of acetine? I don't know. Acetine? Acetine? It's acetine. Maybe that's it. It's A-C-E-T-Y-L-E-N-E. Acetine? Yeah. Acetine. I think it's acetine. Okay. Acetine gas to explode, which sparked fires that spread quickly in the area. Quote, water was unobtainable and the fumes of the gas and intense heat of the flame made it impossible for volunteer resources to approach within 150 feet of it. 
the crew of the circus train and the men of the troop train available worked heroically, but there was so little that they could do. This one performer, he recounts his experience because he survived. Quote, it was like the cracking of an eggshell, he said. My legs doubled under the pressure of the walls of the car as they caved in. I felt a terrible pain in my back. Everything was dark. And for one minute after the big crash that woke me up, everything was silent. This performer, his last name is Cod, um, and he was an aerialist. Cod attempted to reach his sleeping wife, whose hand was, quote, still warm but motionless, he said. He couldn't move. Something pinned him down, and every time he tried to move, quote, a piercing pain shot through his body, end quote. Just before the flame engulfed his car, a fellow performer freed Cod and dragged him out of the wreckage. So he was just like, I'm going to stay. <laughs> I'm going to lay here. Jeez. There's, yeah, there's not much you can do with that. It, I, and those kind of things are, it's so, how would you ever know if you need to move or you need to not? And where, oh yeah, totally. And like, where's out also? Yeah. You don't even know. You're covered in debris. You don't, you can't see. Yeah. Is it up? I don't, who knows? Are you upside down? Yeah. I don't know. He goes on to say, quote, all around me, there was pandemonium. He recounted a strong wind was fanning the flames, which spread rapidly. God, that's the other thing. Yeah. Wind. Right. And then um, and from underneath the mass of piled coaches, it flashed through my mind that it looked like a funeral pyre. I heard the groans and the moans and the death cries of these who I worked with so long. Then I lost consciousness. End quote. Yeah. It's so gnarly. Because that's another thing that, like, and I could be wrong on this, but I think if that the Midwest in that area may be just very flat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Indiana. Which that means, well, and that just means that the wind has nothing to stop it. Yeah. So, it's just, like, oh. all of the wind just cooking up. And, like, that's that's the big thing with, with fire. It's, like, it wind and dry and hot. And if you have those three things going on, which they didn't need the dry and the hot. All they needed was, you know oil and a massive a bit of friction Mm -hmm. and then the wind but then the wind is the thing that like kicks it up it's so true spreads it oh man so um more from the courier journal out of louisville kentucky which was reported the day after june 23rd 1918 quote wild rumors that several lions had escaped from the train to the woods south of the wreck caused residents of that thinly populated district to take precautions Circus authorities explain that no wild animals were on the train, which is probably not true. A lie. <laughs> it's a not true. Uh, not true. It's literally the animal. It's like, yeah, it's the animal circus. Yeah, that's their whole thing is that they have lots of animals. With animals on the train cars. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, which we now know perished on the car. So, like. Yeah, there's animals there. Um, I hope they lived. My God. Um, they also yeah. cre- discredited reports that one woman. Uh, Cause there was reports that this woman just like left wildly and just ran into the woods. And so they were discrediting, uh, this report that one circus woman demented had evaded the doctors and raced off into the woods clad only in night clothing. The circus was supposed to play that day in Hammond, obviously not going to. Not anymore. You need to take a day after something like that. From behind the bars of the ticket window, Charles Dahmer, manager of the show, who escaped from the wreck after throwing his wife from the window, began the task of registering the survivors and attempting to identify the dead. 
Quietly, the little line of the circus men and women filed past the ticket window, giving their names and asking news of friends and relatives. A big crowd had gathered at the grounds to see the circus and remained after hearing of the tragedy to watch the little group of survivors. Because people are like, oh, the circus is here. And they're like coming to watch. <laughs> Jeez. You know what I mean? Because like that's what people would do. They would watch the circus arrive. Yeah. Like remember Ringling Brothers? Granted, it was years and years prior, but... That's what they would do. The circus is coming to town. You watch the train come in. Yeah, you got excited. You like come and walk and and they're just like, oh, fuck. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, and then that's what they see. Just the mangled, just like train and stuff. Yeah. And it's on fire and people are like screaming and like, oh my Jesus. God. Jesus. Yeah, what a nightmare. Um, one clown about whose head was wrapped and stained, bandaged, leaned up against a pole while he watched the crowd on the edge of, of the grounds. Quote, there'll be no circus in Hammond tonight. The kids will get left this time. Then he fainted. <laughs> yeah. Other survivors told the wandering, panic-stricken, and scantily clad over the countryside in search of help after the wreck. After the crash. That's not like a complete sentence, but that's the article. Okay. <laughs> um, there was no proofreaders back then. <laughs> it's like, stuff was crazy. Um after the crash, they said there was no water to fight the fire, which immediately attacked the wreckage. And many were agonized by the cries of their comrades pinned beneath the cars, which we've you know, heard about already. Um, yeah. The first assistance came from Hammond, which sent two companies of firemen who were powerless to check the flames because of the absence of water, who at first confined their efforts to the rescue of the wounded. Later, water was hauled to the scene of the tragedy in wagons, but they had to like get it in wagons and bring it there in wagons. And then, yeah, and then move it. And water is very heavy. Yeah, so it was like slow as fuck to get there. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. Yeah, it's like the damage is basically done already Yeah, at that point. Yeah. According to a 2018 Chicago Tribune article, in the weeks to follow the disaster, 53 of the deceased performers were offered a burial in the large plot at Woodlawn Cemetery in Chicago, which had just been purchased by the Showman's League which is a fraternal order created in 1913 to support men and women in show business. Only five victims had marked graves. The rest were burned too badly to be identified. When the coffins arrived, more than 1,500 mourners gathered to pay their respects. The graves were memorialized with a stone elephant, its trunk drooping in sadness. So um, the showman's leg is like, there's like showman's rest like uh, cemeteries, a lot of them and like a lot of showmen, if you're in like a circus or a circus performer will be buried there. We've mentioned that a lot of times for circus performers where they're like, they're buried in Sarasota showman's cemetery or whatever. Um, so that's what that is. It's part of the showman's league. Well, that feels appropriate. I'll show you these, these grave markers. Yeah. The elephants, but they're just like too, yeah, just un, un, they couldn't uh, identify them. Well, and that's what kind of what I was thinking when we were talking about how they were looking for the um, just the people like in it. Because it's like, you know, when you have something like that happening, like there's so much debris and fire. And it's just like you basically if you didn't have a list of people who were on that train and then you cross off the people who like survived. That's right. Yeah. If you don't have a roster. Yeah. That's the only way. And then if you if your body count is over that roster, 
then it's like, who the fuck knows? And, you know, this is in 19, like, what was it, 17, 18. 18. So it's like, that back then, it's not like people had a great record of where anybody was at any given time. Right. Like, it's like you have the census, and that's basically it. Like, that's that's yeah. all you got. So, yeah, totally. Like, if there was any just, like, transient people catching a ride, if there's somebody's friend decided to jump on the train and they didn't tell somebody, like... A hundred percent. There's so many roustabouts that go in and out of circuses. Mm-hmm. That's like, who knows? Yeah. There are, like, over time myths and rumors about the showman's resting place being haunted by both people and animals. Those are eventually debunked. Can you debunk that? <laughs> Can you debunk a hauntedness? <laughs> <laughs> they debunked it. There's a documentary. Uh, I don't know his first name. I just was reading this in this Chicago Tribune article written by contributor Sue Ross. But the last name of this documentarian that she's discussing, his last name is Williams. I don't know his first name. But he says, the ghost stories got me interested. He says, I had to see for myself. I did some research, which I included in my hour long documentary. I wish I knew his first name. I tried to look it up. <laughs> um but he tells uh, Sue Ross from the Chicago Tribune how he has his hour-long documentary. I'm sure we could find it. Um, I think it's on YouTube. But his research to debunk the haunted showman's resting place included an overnight stay near the cemetery with a team of volunteers to see if indeed the rumors about hearing the moaning and the wails of the dead circus performers and animals was a real thing. Because that is what that's is the alleged people hear people wailing and moaning and they hear like lion roars and stuff. But how many days did this guy stay there? He says overnight. That's one night, you know? Yeah. Right. Ghosts don't work on a schedule. Um, he says nothing was heard by any of the research team, but two things that may contribute to the rumors are there's no animals buried in the cemetery because there's rumors that there was like a huge a mass grave of elephants. Allegedly, there's no animals buried in the cemetery. Secondly, a large zoo is located a short distance away. Oh, so maybe they just heard... Animal sounds. Animal noises from the zoo. Yeah. Although, again, part of me is like, how can you prove something isn't haunted? I know. I agree. The whole point is that it's supernatural. And if we could prove supernatural stuff, the world would be a lot different. I agree. I agree with you. And like, if anything's fucking haunted, that mass grave is haunted. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, there's so much. Look, we have plenty of like good, like happy, like satisfying, like ending episodes on here. But there's also a ton of just like people who got manipulated and, and taken advantage of. And it's like, that's the exact type of person that's going to haunt. You know what I mean? Like a hundred percent. That's it's it's always the people. It's always I mean, and looking at what we're we're going off of ghost rules, which who knows what ghost rules are. But it's like the unfinished business, people who are who are left in a sad state. You know, it's like the, you know these miserable kind of like deaths. It's like those are where the hauntings are because they can't move on. So look, I'm not saying that I believe in ghosts doing stuff on the earth, but. I also don't believe that you can prove that someplace isn't haunted. Overnight. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's agreed. like, stay there for a fucking year, dude. Like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> right? you, like we don't know that ghosts don't take days off. Like, there's, yeah. there's no rules as written. Totally. Um, according to an Indie Star article from June 18th, 
2018 by Will Higgins, quote, the truth about the showman's rest section of the Woodlawn Cemetery is violent, heart-wrenching, and touching. It needs no embellishing. It's interesting enough. But that still didn't prevent myths from arising over the years. Last month, Steve Gossard, a circus historian with Illinois State University, was busting a few. For one thing, Gossard said, there are no circus elephants buried in the mass grave here, only circus people. But there is a mass grave necessitated by a large and grisly calamity that happened over 100 years ago. And he goes on to discuss. I assume he's talking about this train wreck. Yeah, he's referencing the train wreck and how, you know, there was a fire. He says, after the fire broke out, people trapped in the burning wreckage did beg to be put out of their misery, to be spared the agony of burning to death. But there were no mercy killings. Damn. Yeah, that sounds like a great, like... Place to be haunted. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a perfect reason to become a ghost. Like that, that 100%. You know, are you kidding? What a tragic death. My God. Like, if anyone's going to become a ghost, yeah, exactly. A tragic death or just like... Li- like, come on. Like, you, they, they didn't have time to vent their trauma. They died in trauma. So then they're ghosts. Like, look, if I was going to believe that a place had a lot of ghosts, that sounds like a great way to convince me. A hundred percent. Gossard goes on to say, so many myths, says Gossard, speaking last month to a gathering of self-described showmen, women as well as men, la-di-da, uh, who, <laughs> who worked in circuses and carnivals or still do. They'd come to showmen's rest from all over the country to mark the centennial of the famous train wreck. They gather on a Thursday in May, a month ahead of the actual 100th anniversary, because by June, the carnival season would be in full swing and they'd be swamped with work. <laughs> Too busy. Um, Too busy to mourn. Right. 86 employees of the Peru, Indiana based Hagenbeck Wallace Circus perished. Many were burned beyond recognition and now identified in this mass grave with headstones reading unknown male, unknown female. At the time of the crash, Warren was president of the Showman's League of America, and that's the person that decided to purchase this plot, this like um, plot to be known as the Showman's Rest Place. Yeah. Al Slager, a promoter of the demolition de- derbies throughout the U.S. and Canada and a member of the Michigan Association of Fairs and Exhibitions Hall of Fame, emceed the goings-on of this centennial event. He too quoted Warren, we take care of our own. So that's like a thing with the showman's is like, we'll take care of you. If you have no place to be buried, we will bury you kind of thing. You're okay here. Yeah. The gravesite is unusual in that it contains the remains of 56 of the crash victims, each in its own coffin, but consists of just one hole. It's a big hole. 35 feet by 24 feet and five feet deep. Each of the 56 has a headstone, like I said, but there's a couple that like in two cases, it appears that some have a nickname. So one headstone says Baldy. Is that like his clown name or something? Or? That's, well, that's just like a nickname, I guess. And one says Smiley. And then another headstone suggests that the survivors didn't necessarily know the person's name, but knew their job. So it says four horse driver. Wow. Interesting, right? Yeah. And it's just like that. That's like, I suppose, slightly better than just like the unknown. Unknown. Yeah. Like it's a little bit better. But yeah. So I'm going to show you the the grave before 
they covered it. So that's that. Oh yeah. Here's it again. Dif- a different angle. I mean that it, it it makes sense like when cuz when you've got to deal with that many burials like Yeah, cuz you don't know. How, and they're like they would they didn't have DNA. No. You know, so like this one woman Patty Drabing who's an executive director of the French Lick West Baden Museum organized this commemoration of the train wreck. And the commemoration was like June 23rd from noon to four food trucks bounce house. And I'm like, okay. Bounce house. It seems <laughs> like, like you're going with the wrong vibe. Yeah, I was <laughs> like, right, right. Uh, okay. And I feel like a solemn respect might be a better tone, but who knows? Yeah. All right, Patty. A bit yeah. Cool. I mean, good on you. Uh, like the kids should have fun. Yeah, food trucks and bounce house for this yeah. really somber event. We got the Kogi truck and we've got a bounce house for the kids. Uh, but Patty says that, quote, with the roustabouts, there were often people who literally ran off and joined the circus. They might have only been there for a few weeks and their names might never have been known. Like you said, like they just, you know, jumped on. And then Slagger, the guy that's in charge of like, their social media and whatever else. He pointed out that mm-hmm. there's no DNA testing a hundred years ago and like no social security numbers. No, like nothing. They have no nothing. Yeah. It's like if they didn't have like a, like, I mean, when, when did cars come around? It's like no driver's license. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. like, that's why like when we talk about like, I mean, not necessarily in this podcast, but in general, like the wild West, it's like real easy to get away with killing someone in the past. Cause so there's just no, no records of anything. Like, other than other people knowing them, that was it. Mm -hmm. That was, like, it. That was all you had. Maybe, like, if you owned land, you might have, like, a deed with your name on it. But who knows what that person looks like. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there's all sorts of ways that just, like, there's no, there was no way to track it. It was just, like, uh, just word of mouth. That was not it. Yeah, totally. Totally. Man, being a detective in that time, woof. (laughs) <laughs> seriously that's gotta be hard to be a detective then they're probably like ah there's no way <laughs> there's just no way yeah so there's those certain instances like those few people were like have their nicknames and it's just those few guys baldy smiley four horse driver that's it yeah and that's the yeah that was that was that was the best they could do yeah crazy um it's so in 1918 three clergymen officiated the funeral which is where you see in those photos that I sent you where there's people just standing around this huge, you know, dug out. There's multiple coffins. Yeah. There's 56 coffins in their individually placed in these coffins, the, the deceased. But the grave that that their remains are in is just a big hole. It's, it's just a big plot. 35 by 24 by 5 feet deep. Mm-hmm. It's just a big hole. And so these clergymen are officiating you could see there's kind of like one dude in white in the far like the last picture i sent you yeah you can kind of pick them out yeah so three clergymen a catholic priest a baptist minister minister god i can't talk a baptist minister and the reverend colonel fj owens who was a chaplain for the showman's league of america that's in quotes. I don't know if he just named himself that, but that's fine. <laughs> He's like, I'm a reverend colonel and I'm here. Um, yeah, yeah, his alleged title. So those, I guess, were the uh, religious choices that they were like, that covers everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was just going to say, I really thought they would go with a wider <laughs> yeah, right. gamut uh, on that one. 
I was like, well, you know, I guess it was the 19, you know, 18s. Yeah, 1918. They're like, everyone's Christian, right? Everyone's a type of Christian, right? That's that's it. Cool. Um, like, should we get a rabbi? It's like, what? Yeah, <laughs> right? What? Um, yeah, who? According to Richard Lytle's 2010 book, The Great Circus Train Wreck of 1918, 1,500 mourners attended the funeral, which you can see there's quite a few people in that photo. Oh, there's a ton. Including the clown, Joe Coyle, who lost his wife and his two kids. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Which is like so gnarly. Coyle would have been in his mid-30s. He survived that train wreck with minor injuries. His wife, Stella, and his sons, Howard and Joe... Allegedly, in this article, in the Indie Star articles, it says that Howard was nine, Joe Jr. was two. Oh, my God. Yeah, jeez. Um, and they were with him on the train, as I previously mentioned. And then Coyle was, according to the Indie Star article, it says Coyle was thrown free of the wreckage in the crash. His wife and children also survived the impact, according to this article. Oh, wow. But were pinned beneath the, de- the debris. Oh, Yeah. And so they were not able to get them out. Says some victims who, like the coils, survived the impact only to be trapped as the flames approached and begged the rescuers to put them out of their misery, basically, according to some press reports. But there were no reports of shooting, like mercy killings, yeah. which is fucked. Fucked. It's all fucked. Yeah. God, that. Ugh. Yeah. Instead, according to reports from the Indie Star, the rescuers, quote, were compelled to stand by helpless and hysterical as they listened to agonizing screams of human beings slowly burning to death. God, like, what can you fucking do? Jesus Christ. Um, Coyle did not stand by helpless, but instead, quote, in spite of his injuries, labored hysterically to extricate his wife and children, said a wire service report published in the Belvedere Daily Republican the day after the crash until he was dragged away by rescuers, according to this Indie Star june 2018 article oh so sad um in the aftermath of the accident the families of the deceased performers and you know circus people in general struggled with whom to blame the railway company the engineer driving the the train uh, ding, ding, ding. uh you know all those people likely <laughs> yeah yeah i mean it, it 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 feels like if you're gonna blame one person blame the guy who fell asleep driving a train so the engineer, Alonzo Sargent, was arrested and charged with manslaughter. Guy, can you, like, I mean, th- that makes sense. But, like, what a thing to, like, fall asleep and then wake up in- upon impact. Right. And then be charged for manslaughter. Like, what a crazy. Like, of course, he shouldn't have eaten the stew. He shouldn't have driven the car. But, like, wow. Yeah. And it's so, according to... This report, it says that, like, everyone kind of, though he was arrested, I mean, I don't know why the circus company would be responsible other than having, like, yeah, gas lanterns, I don't know. But, like... That's the thing. It's, like, yeah, unless, like, having a wood car was not allowed, unless, like, like, you know, I suppose if they pulled over incorrectly, you could argue that, but Mm -hmm. it feels like, and again, it's, you know, it's kind of like... If a car, instead of pulling over, is half pulled over, its ass is out. But then there's road flares leading up to the car's ass. Yeah. And people waving around. You know what I mean? So it's like. Yeah. I mean, if you're sleeping and you don't see a flare on the road, that is your fault. <laughs> you know yeah, exactly. It's like, 
look, yeah, you could say, yeah, should that train have been pulled over more? Sure. Should they have done? But like they did literally everything they could just aside from the train being pulled over as much. as, And maybe it was pulled over as much as possible. I don't know. I don't know enough about trains. We need the train heads to win in. We need the train heads to weigh in. But yeah, it's like it's it's the it's the guy who fell asleep's fault. It's the guy who was sleeping operating heavy machinery. That's it's their fault. A hundred percent. Like that's it. It ends there. I don't know what what you need to figure out. And, and maybe was this from an art an older article that's saying they had to, they weren't sure, or is this a more recent one? No, it's a more recent one where they're just like all of these parties, the circus company, um, uh-huh. the, the train company. Um, Alonzo Sargent, yeah. they all seem to shirk the blame initially. Yeah. One spokesperson, one spokesperson for the Interstate Commerce Commission even released a statement to the Chicago Daily Tribune at the time now mm-hmm. saying, quote, we do everything we can to discourage the use of wooden cars on passenger trains and urge the substitution of steel ones. That is all we can do, end quote, which is kind of like a fuck you to the circus. Like, yeah. Well, and and who knows, you know, maybe it was one of those things where they did know at the time that the train was unsafe. You know what I mean? It is possible if you if you want to argue that blame could be on multiple parties, Mm -hmm. that would really be the only thing I could think of is that maybe they knew that wooden trains should not be a thing. I assume they did it because it was cheaper. Of course. And they didn't want to buy a metal train. Maybe they couldn't afford it. I don't know. I mean, they're the third biggest in the world so maybe they could have afforded it right but circ but a circus train and like the maintenance that it involves is like that's probably the best that they could do at the time i would imagine i don't know yeah so yeah again i, I think the first person you gotta blame is the guy who fell asleep driving a train yeah yeah but then you know devil's advocate i suppose is like maybe the circus was making enough money to have a I have a better train, but a whole train that's metal is probably a fuck ton of money or steel rather. Oh, sure. Absolutely. And then, you know, it, it could just be one of those things where they knew it was dangerous and they still chose to go with the cheaper one. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, then you can certainly argue that they absolutely are to blame or at least partially to blame because maybe it just wouldn't have been as bad. You know, maybe it wouldn't have caught fire. Yeah. But I mean... It's almost like, yeah, of course, if you get in an accident, you have like fire in a wooden train. Yeah. It's like, duh. But look at the Hartford fire, which happened years and years, like two decades later, where they're just like. Yeah, spraying flammable. Spraying this waterproofing with it's in its gasoline. <laughs> it's yeah. Like, what? Yeah, spraying gasoline. I was like, well, it'll keep us dry. It's like, sure it will. Yeah. Put paraffin wax and gasoline on your tent. Yeah, yeah, throw napalm on top of your tent. That's a great idea. Don't smoke around it, but we are going to smoke around it. Yeah, yeah, in an era where everyone's smoking, too. That's the other thing. God. God. So. (laughs) Yeah, okay, everyone's to blame a little bit. Let's just say that. (laughs) More more from this uh, June 23rd, 1918 article from the Courier-Journal out of Louisville, Kentucky, which chronicles when these gentlemen did get arrested. So, Gustav Krauss. The locomotive fireman, you know, scoop, scooping it up, scooping into the boiler. He was arrested the afternoon of June 23rd at the request of the coroner of Lake County, which I'm, the coroner is probably like, get the fuck, get the arrest, arrest this guy. Yeah, get this fucker out of here. He's uh, getting all these bodies and he was like, who's responsible for this? <laughs> who's done it? Yeah, really. Krause is, according to this article at the time, is 
to be held until Monday morning when he will be taken to Gary to testify at the inquest over the victims of the circus train wreck. He came here shortly before noon after fleeing from the scene of the wreck with Al Sargent, engineer of the locomotive troop train. Sargent left this afternoon for his home in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Authorities of that city have been requested to arrest him upon arrival. So I believe, yeah, this is Klaus saying this, quote, we were running along at a good rate of speed between Hammond and Gary, and I did not see the circus train on the siding until we were nearly on top of it, says Klaus. I saw that a collision could not be averted, and I grew sick at my stomach at the thought of what was certain to happen. I did not notice the engineer, and I do not know what he did. I crawled down from my seat in the locomotive cab and dragged myself onto the tender where I fell face downward on a pile of coal. He's using coal. Mm -hmm. Confirmed. Confirmed. (laughs) That is the last thing I remember. I must have been unconscious when the collision came, as I do not remember feeling it. Lucky you. Yeah. My mind was a blank for a long time. The next thing I remember was I was on a train bound for my hometown in Michigan City. Wow. Huh. Sergeant, it is said, told a friend here that steam from an Indiana Harbor Beltline engine on a siding obscured the semaphore, but he did not explain how he missed other danger signals. I don't know what the semaphore is. Neither do I, but it sounds like how is that possible? Yeah, like the steam coming out the side, he couldn't see something? I don't know. Yeah, aren't you... I mean, look, I don't, I, again, the train heads, I really need them to help us call bullshit on these things. But like my imagined version of this is when you are in the front of the train, you're ahead you have of to be awake. Smoke. Well, yeah, that too. You need to be awake. That's the first <laughs> thing you have to do to be qualified to do this job is you cannot be asleep. Yeah. Um, but- no heavy stews. Gotta be awake. No heavy stews. You gotta keep it light. Keep it light. But yeah, I don't know how the smoke, like you're going fast. The smoke is trailing. Like unless they somehow, the structure of older trains was that you're, the guy who's driving it is behind the front of the train where the smokestack is, which just seems stupid because that, why would they build them that way? You'd know immediately after the first one is done, they'd be like, wait a minute, let's move this up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's, that's, that's a very quick fix. You notice that right away. Like, I so this guy sounds like he's just, like, protecting himself because he fell asleep. Yeah, he's he fucked up. Yeah. He did not explain how he missed other danger signals. He said he told the fireman to jump, but he stayed on the engine and despite its destructive course through the show train was not injured. I, I wonder, like... How many people from the steel army train got hurt and died? That's not mentioned. It's It it's mentions that they helped. Yeah. I don't know how many got fucked up. Probably not a lot. <laughs> you know? Well, you know, it's like one, it's like the U.S. military, they're not, if they don't want to release that information, they're just not going to. Yeah, probably. Part of me is like, I wonder how many of them actually did. Because then you're, you're thinking about it, like steel train versus wooden train, right? Like. The steel train might have been mostly fine. Like, oh, yeah. Look at these pictures. You don't see shit. I mean, like they're not pulling anything out of for the steel train. I'm sure they had to like pull it off the tracks. But like, yeah, it's just one of those things that makes me think like, did they? Yeah. Did they derail? But like, again, they're just obliterating these pieces of wood. And then, I mean, obliterated. 
obliterated. And so, like, it just makes me think, like, were they all okay? Because if they, you know, they also, we had that description where it was, like, sawing it in half, like, cutting down a piece of wood. Yeah. But, like, then you're in it, right? Then you're in that. And if that's catching on fire, wouldn't you also be, the, you're being surrounded by kindling. So it, it just makes me wonder, like, how did the, like, were, that, how did they do? Like, I feel like these front ones, the front, like, locomotive looking thing is, yeah, is the troop train, right? Yeah. I would imagine because that's where, because the front of the other train shouldn't be anywhere near right. the debris. You know, like, how many, how many train cars, did it plow through? You know, these are like 20-something long train cars. Right. It sounds like it went through four. Yeah. So the front of the wooden train should should not have been severely damaged. Like, yeah, if it was, like, pushed off its track or, like, you know, banged a little bit. But, yeah, yeah this seems like the metal one here. Like, that also looks metal. But, again, like, you know. Yeah. Who, who, like, who, it who looks knows? like metal is remaining on the tracks, right? Mm-hmm. And then just complete just destruction in front and of it. And it's just splinters all around it, which is the circus train. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And it just, it's like, tr- it's just rubble. It's like it's yeah. just plowed through and all of the splinters are the circus train. Yeah. It, it's just like the wire framing and stuff. Yeah. Like, and that's it. Because the one that I just sent you, it says some, it says something central on the side. Which makes me think that, and it is steel, and that makes me think that that is the troop train, or at least part of it. And then everything on the side is just fucking splinter wood train car. Yeah, it's just debris. Yeah. It's fucking fucked, right? Like It's wild. Yeah, it, it really oh, is. Oh, here's a better picture. Maybe I already sent this to you, but this shows the steel Pullman car pretty good. Yeah, it's like fine. Like the train, like a sleeper Pullman car, and it's on the tracks, fine, not too damaged, but there is just wood to the left and right of it, and it's just so much wire and wood and and just and wheels, like it's the wheels of it, like it really is like a perfect storm, right? Like it's yeah, oh my god, it just like went on top of it, yeah, like it cut through and just decimated it, like, and it just. It really makes me wonder because what I didn't know that wooden trains were a thing uh, prior to this, <laughs> except for like for children. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I, I was just like I, I assumed they were always made of some form of metal. I just figured they had to be right. But this is just like, and it makes me wonder: were there any wooden trains that were like quote unquote safe? Like, were there any, was that ever one that was like something that people were like, yeah, no, this is, this is a good quality train. It's just made of wood. Probably until they were like steel though. <laughs> yeah. It just feels like, cause, cause yeah, I mean, you know, a, a, a steel thing moving 60 miles an hour into something that's made of wood. It's, you know, and it's also hollow wood, right? Because they're in, it's not like sturdy, like a huge tree trunk would be. Not that that would really be able to survive it, but like the fact that it's hollow and if it was, if it was made cheaply in addition to that, like, Mm -hmm. you know, they're not planning for it to sustain this type of damage. No. Um, And it probably just, just turned to paper. Yeah. Cause it's 
you know, steel train wheel things, right? And then there's probably a steel frame yep. of sorts. And then there's wood. And then all of the cars are wood. Yeah. So it probably impacted the empty troop train a little bit, but not a lot because it's just like a little bit of metal. It also probably like exploded in certain cases because like 100%. the back view probably literally blew up because it's it's massive impact onto gas lanterns. Right. Well, that's what the acetylene. What? The acetylene is a thing. I don't know if that's what this is. Um, but it's the closest sounding word that I know. I don't think it's, a, it's it, whatever, it's gas and it exploded. And that's what somebody You're, said. The acetane heads, you get in the comments too and just let us know if we're talking about the right thing. It's not, it, there's an L in there. So I don't think it's acetane. Aseltane? <laughs> it's aseltine. Ovaltine. Ovaltine. It's some sort of <laughs> teen. Um, someone will correct us. I'm sure someone will correct. I hope so. Someone will know what we're talking about. Someone's screaming at their podcast headphones. But yeah, it's just like a impact and explosion, like the the gas lanterns, the wood of the train and a guy being like falling asleep and not noticing all the signals. Like it's just just everything that could have gone wrong did pretty much. Literally, literally. So the fireman was arrested and then... Alonzo Sargent was charged with manslaughter. He was arrested in Kalamazoo because remember he took the train home. Is Alonzo the fireman or is this two separate people? No, um, Gustav uh, Klaus. He's the fireman. And then Al Al Sargent is the engineer. So why is the fireman arrested? Shouldn't it just be the person driving like the conductor? You would think, right? Yeah. Yeah. It seems like because if you're if you're just shoveling coal in, can you really see what's going on out there? Well, I think that um, Klaus got arrested. He was arrested, but uh-huh. Sergeant was charged with manslaughter. He was oh oh okay. He was the one who was actually. So I think Homeboy was arrested. Klaus was arrested. Yeah, they're like we have to figure this out. But then he was probably like, I was just shoveling coal. It's like <laughs> I can't see. I just I shovel coal. So they say stop shoveling coal. Yeah. He's like, my head was down, and then what? And then I fell. And then I was flung. Yeah, pretty much. Into the call, of course. But he's like like a baseball team. He's like the second line of defense. I mean, look, it is suspicious that he doesn't remember anything. But also, yeah, again, I don't know enough about train anatomy to know if he his car is positioned in a place where he should have seen. Like, if that's in the front and he basically can see everything in front of him and he shovels coal... Like based on what's going on, then yeah, then he should you should investigate that man. Right? Uh, he probably also fell asleep from stew. But like, if if I'm picturing it in a because my initial mental image is it's it it's a separate thing. You're basically like you get you you hear someone's like more call or <laughs> not, not as much call, and then you do then you just do that. You shovel or you don't shovel based on what the you know what the intercom is saying. Yeah, yeah, the intercom. But maybe it's maybe it's not what it's like. Yeah, maybe, maybe I'm giving it way too much. Like I don't know credit. Maybe it's just your you you can see, and then you've got to judge. Like, all right, there's a thing up there. I should do less coal so we don't hit it. Like I don't know. Maybe it's like that. We have to go to train school and figure all of it out. You know what? Hell, arrest that guy. Yeah, arrest it. <laughs> just to be safe. The engineer was charged with manslaughter. According to this article, he was charged in Kalamazoo for the deaths of 61 people. 
God. Which should be 86. He was aboard a train home in Jackson when he was arrested. He refused to discuss the details of the wreck, but signified his willingness to return to Gary, Indiana and face the charge against him without formality of a requisition. Mm. So he knew what he did. Yeah. He's like, I was sleepy. It was, I ate too much stew. Yeah. Eventually, after each of their arrests, Michigan Central Troop Train Engineer Sergeant and his fireman, Klaus, were criminally charged. Oh, so they both were charged in Lake County for their part in the circus train wreck. Huh. But the jury, when they went to to court, the jury found itself deadlocked after a trial and a mistrial was declared. Huh. Prosecutors declined to retry the case and charges were dismissed on June 9th, 1920. I wonder if it's because the military was involved. Like, you know what I mean? Like, maybe the government was like, um, we'll handle it. We don't want this publicity. Well, there's an interesting theory that arose, which I think is wild. Okay, so... According to June to a June 24th, 2021 Chicago Sun-Times article, D.W. Donahue, superintendent of the Chicago Division of the Railroad and L.W. Landman, general passenger agent, told reporters they believed the empty trains engineer sergeant had either fallen asleep or suffered an attack of paralysis. Cool. Um, Yeah, that's one of those old timey bullshit made up things. It's like saying that a woman was hysterical and that's why something happened. Yeah. This is just some made up shit. There's no other option that would explain why he missed the signals and the circus engineer telling him to stop from miles on the track. Like there's no other reason. But Mm. but other experts, however, had different theories. Several railroad officials who declined to be named train heads examined examined the empty train following the crash and noticed that the air brakes of the Pullman coaches on the troop train had not been set on the wheels. Oh, because military officials usually use the empty trains to move soldiers serving in World War One to the East Coast and the unnamed railroad officials suspected sabotage. That's why the brakes weren't on the wheels. Oh. They were like, there's a saboteur. Wow. Which I was like, okay. (laughs) I mean, that's weird. I mean, look, it's it's interesting that someone is claiming that there were no brakes on that train. Yeah. They won't be named, but they are claiming it. That is very interesting. So, because that's interesting because, okay... Like you could argue someone, someone who is anti-war or anti the U.S. military did that. You could certainly argue that. The area that I think is weird about that is why wouldn't the person driving the train have? Well, I mean, I was going to say, why wouldn't he be like, I tried to break and it didn't. Right. He was like, but I was sleeping, actually. (laughs) Yeah, it could have been both. It could have been sabotaged and he fell asleep. But these unnamed people were claiming that it was like spies from the war. Oh, like like German spies. Germans. Exactly. The Germans. Yes. They were like the Germans took the brakes off of the train. Which like maybe, but he probably was also asleep. (laughs) Like, <laughs> it's like, did the Germans feed him the stew? Maybe? Yeah. Oh, no, there you go. It was there. Was like, what kind of stir this? 
Oh, it is turkey stew. There is nothing <laughs> for you to worry about. Eat it up, you stupid idiot. <laughs> Which, like, man, spin a spin a yarn like Hagenbeck Wallace. He's German. The Germans came, and I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know. See now, now we're getting the proper amount of conspiracy theory. There here. you go. Get in there. It's just... like Hagenbeck knew that this train was going to be on this track, and so maybe he sent somebody. I mean. I don't know. It, it gets pretty loose when you're like, well, Hagenbeck's train is different than the American one. And why would he sabotage the one that was going to hit his train? <laughs> he's dead. <laughs> and he's dead. But. But someone could be like, I know Hagenbeck. We're old friends. Let me get on this train. That Let is- me get on this train that has nothing to do with his train. <laughs> <laughs> with the circus. Mm. I'm trying to connect the dots. We're um, trying. We're trying to help because it is. It's an interesting theory. It's certainly like that's why the theory is not good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and look, maybe they also got fucking blown off in the crash. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know train anatomy. I need the train heads to to kind of corroborate these things. But it's true. We need to go to train school, and we need some mm-hmm. schooling. Um, as for the survivors, they decided the show must go on. Wow. <laughs> for real like, wow they were just like well Jesus. back on the horse i guess i don't know if that's professionalism or sad we'll skip one show <laughs> we're gonna skip one town and they just kept ah, fucking going which is crazy uh despite the tremendous physical and psychological toll of the accident the hagenbeck wallace circus only missed two performances that's insane insane do you know how traumatic that is holy fuck no, but I just can't imagine that, like, I just can't imagine. Like, how do you do that? How do you move on to that? The whole circus caught on fire in a wooden train. And they're like, hey, only two shows, okay? And they listened to their friends die. That's that's the that's one of the most consistent things these old-timey papers are saying, is that everyone could hear everyone else dying. And they're like, yeah, yeah take two days. Yeah, yeah, take... Take tw- like 48 hours, Kay. Jesus Christ. We'll see you back. You know, it's like that scene in Game of Thrones where she watches the. Have you seen Game of Thrones? Of course. Okay. Well, I mean, okay, spoiler <laughs> alert for people who have never watched Game of Thrones, you weirdos. Spoiler alert Mark has watched Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but like, you know, when Roz sees the baby get murdered and then uh, mm-hmm. Littlefinger's like, okay, well, um, no one wants to fuck a sad girl, so do you get to take a day off? <laughs> and then yeah, and we'll then see you tomorrow. <laughs> back to court. Yeah, fucking yeah, it's kind of like that. Yeah, uh, old timeies were brutal. I mean, times are still brutal, but you know, we're getting a little better. And thanks to other circuses that basically pitched in with equipment and with other performers, they're like, "Do you want our?" person he's like hey uh we need to loan you some dudes yeah so um on june 25th so this is like fucking two days after that's insane uh, yeah 1918 hagenbeck wallace circus reconfigured but with many of the same performers who just three days earlier had lived through this fucking insane insane tragedy yeah how on earth do you clown after that? And then they traveled by rail to Beloit, Wisconsin. Oh, yeah, yeah. That alone is probably traumatic. That's like, you know, the stories when somebody like you, this usually happens to people, you know, they get in a car accident and then they're fucking nervous about driving a car for a long time. Yeah, for a long time. That Maybe, maybe this would also make them nervous. <laughs> like, 
so crazy. It's so crazy. Maybe they would have a hard time sleeping on a train forever now. Like, and look, there is no better way to do it at the time, but still. Like June 25th. Dude, this people, these articles are like June, no, June 23rd. People were screaming still. Like, it's like, what the fuck? Screaming as they die. Two days later, the cheer is here. Welcome to the circus. Like, Jesus Christ. What the fuck? It's too much. It's so crazy. Oh, my God. It's so crazy. So, quote from the Chicago Sun-Times article, quote, forced mirth under the big top was courage and necessity, end quote. And, quote, one's work is one's work. If it happens that this work is to make the kitties laugh and clap, why then one must make the kitties laugh and clap, end quote. Hoy, 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 hoy. Woof. I mean, that's dedication, but, like, also, goddamn, like, take a minute. Yeah, like, take a day. Like, a couple, man. Yeah, take a fucking, take a month. Like, you know, get the screams out of your nightmares. Jesus Christ. Like, that's so... It's so crazy, dude. It's so crazy. I mean, I don't know. Look, sometimes people, they use overworking to get through trauma, like, to not think about it. So maybe that... But still, it's so close to home. The Like, trauma... It happens at your work. You'd think that working would remind you of the trauma. I don't know. And who knows? Maybe they just needed the fucking money. You know what I mean? Like, maybe they couldn't afford to not do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, in, like, silence, I'm sure, is, like, the worst. Yeah, yeah. It's just sitting in the silence. It's like, yeah, maybe yeah. maybe, maybe they felt good to get on stage again. I don't know. But it just seems... I, I agree with you. It just seems so quick. So fucking soon. So, this is the, the definition of too soon. You know? Yeah. Absolutely. It started in 1918. Yeah, fuck. Um, According to a Kansas Democrat article from August 1st, 1918. So this is like barely a month after this disaster. There is a brief ad posting article, quote, Wallace Hagenbeck Circus coming to this town in Hiawatha, Kansas, Saturday, September 7th. Quote, this is the circus that drew a record-breaking crowd here two years ago. <laughs> They're just like, forget there was a, a crash. We're just talking about two years ago, guys. Yeah, that's not a record-breaking crash. I mean, performance. Yeah, they're just like, don't don't think about a month ago. Remember two years ago? That was fun. Yeah, it was good then, right? <laughs> yeah. Remember the past? At the time, <laughs> yeah. At the time, the crowd was so immense, it could not be accommodated. The Wallace Hagenbeck Circus lost 54 of its performers in the train wreck at Gary, Indiana, several weeks ago. But none of its moxie. Come on down. Yeah. Um, Barnum and Bailey, Ringling Brothers, and Sells Floto shows loaned the wrecked show some of its best act for best acts for the rest of the season, and the show is filling its dates. So, I mean, it's really cool that all these circuses were like, here are some performers, here's some oh, crew, sure. here's some animals. Yeah, they here's lent some- in to help and be like, so, well, because I, I suppose that part of that, too, is like, if they didn't, the survivors are fucked. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they don't have enough people to keep doing their job. Yeah. Or well, they're probably just going to join those shows anyways. Yeah, yeah, join the different shows. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, you're right. And I can't believe that. It was only just like one stop that was canceled. Yeah. It was one stop in Monroe, Wisconsin that was canceled, which is fucking insane. It's 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 really brutal. And it's one of those things that's just like that's so indicative of like business. 
Oh, yeah. You know, like the mentality of business being like, well, we have a lot of costs to recoup, so keep working. Which is like also points to the fact that they had a wooden train. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like if you didn't have a wooden train, it still would have been a collision, but like it would way less people would have died. Yeah. Way less people would have died. Way less. Way, way less. And eventually, because the gentleman that owns this show is, oh my God, what's his name? Ed Ballard. So Ed Ballard eventually becomes one of, do you remember when we talked about the American Circus Corporation? Where there's like Mm. multiple circuses? Kind of. There's a thing called American Circus Corporation and it was sold to, there's this guy, Jeremiah Mugnavan, Burt Bowers, Ed Ballard. Mm-hmm. I think it's just them three, but they all three own Hagenbeck Wallace, Spark Circus, Algae Barnes, Sells Flodo, John Robinson. And so they were like, we're an American Circus Corporation and we own these three. And if you're on any of those shows, we can move you around like a baseball team. Oh, oh, I see. You yeah. know, and then in 1929, I think uh, John Ringling bought all of it. And he was like, I own every fucking circus. So now I'm every circus. Right. So Ed Ballard soon became part of American Circus Corporation with Hagenbeck Wallace shortly after this, because he's probably like, wow, that was a tough year. (laughs) Let's. Yeah. (laughs) Twas a rough one. Let's take a load off. (laughs) Yeah. I need some friends. Um, Yeah. Well, uh, in a January 2020 article from the Chicago Tribune, contributor Sue Ross quotes author Stuart Onan, who also wrote the book about the Hartford Circus Fire. Mm -hmm. And Onan says, quote, in a way, tragedies like this could be said to fit with the popular view of the circus as a dangerous and slapdash workplace populated by shady transients and naturally prone to disaster. But most risks are painstakingly calculated by expert professionals as are the rigid logistics behind the daily world of the circus. Sue Ross continues her article. The problem was when the risks couldn't be calculated when it arrived unanticipated in the dead of night. The Hagenbeck Wallace circus train wreck remains one of the most disastrous in history with, like I said, 86 officially dead and more than 100 injured. The complex near Peru, Indiana that formerly housed the winter home of Hagenbeck Wallace which was formerly the Winter Quarters to Benjamin Wallace's circuses, now serves as the home of the Circus Hall of Fame. So that's good, <laughs> I guess. That's something. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is the tragic story of the 1918 Hagenbeck Wallace train wreck. Yeah, geez. Yeah, and you know, it, it kind of to, to what the author was saying, he was saying the things about how, like, you know, there's a lot of this type of, you know, you could argue that this is kind of type of thing could follow the circus. But mm-hmm. I feel like this one is this one is really not that. And to be honest, like we so many episodes we cover talk about how much dedication to figuring out how to do things safely is done in the circus. Right. Right. Yeah, you're right. Like, think about all the math that's done in, like, the the ball of death and, like, all, like, just, and the cannon, like, shooting people out of cannons, all these things. There's so much research and math and testing done to make it, 
to do it as safe as you can, even though they are inherently risky things. This, to me, is more about there's two things, two major things at fault that I see in this one. One is obviously just it almost feels like um, business or organizational mistakes, not individual performers, not individual practices of the circus. But from a business standpoint, because there's two things. There's one. This has happened in four in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. So like overworking harsh hours cause this guy to fall asleep, most likely. And that and Stu, of course, that doesn't help. But like the other thing is underspending on materials. A hundred percent. Saving money. Because again, if that car had been metal, still people would have gotten fucking hurt and people probably still would have died. But it wouldn't have been 80 deaths and a hundred some odd injuries it would have been less than half of that, probably. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and again, we don't know the numbers from the military train because they probably didn't want it published. published. Yeah. You know, they probably didn't want to be associated with this as, as li- or, or at least as little as possible. But I bet you their injuries were not as bad. Like, literally, the guy, the engineer who got arrested, we're assuming that he's towards the front. He, he claimed his vision was obstructed, which implies he could have seen if it wasn't. Right. So he's at the front of the train. When this happens, he's okay. Yeah, he's fine. He is not injured. He was at the epicenter. He just was in the one made of metal instead of the one made of maybe even cheap wood. You know what I mean? It may be not even have been just wood. It could have been like flimsy materials across the board. I mean, these two fleed into the woods. They could run. You know what I mean? Like they were physically able to move. <laughs> you know what I mean? And run away. Yeah. They were not even that banged up. I agree with you because things like safety, like the Globe of Death and the Cannonball and like the like, Mm -hmm. these performers ensure that they are safe. Yes. Almost because nobody else will. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I feel like a lot of these older stories and throughout time. uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and and stuff like this still happens. It's just Mm -hmm. that now there are more laws to avoid stuff like this right. and for good reason. But there's still certainly times where people will just, they'll get crappy materials because it is cheaper. Right. But that's why they have to have these laws because if they didn't, people would fucking do this all day long. The higher ups would be like, well, you don't need to do this. Absolutely. Well, because those aren't the people who use them. Exactly. That's the biggest thing. Those are not the people who use them. So all they think about is the bottom line. They don't think about what the quality is. And it's, it's, it's really unfortunate. And it's, it's like, it's a mindset we seem to never learn from, or maybe it's not about learning. It's about lack of caring. I I think it's a huge lack of caring because until something like this happens and fingers are pointed at them where they're like, oh, fuck, I got caught. Or like my cheap way of practice is, Mm -hmm. is biting me in the ass, but they are all like that article said, like shirking blame. Like they're just like, well, you know? They're like, oops, sorry, like no one can plan for a train crashing into you. And it's like, well, then why isn't every car made of paper? Yeah, right. No one plans to be in a car crash. No one plans to be in a crash. But it needs to be safe because shit happens. Shit is going to happen. And you cannot plan for all of it. So you just need it to be durable. It's, It's a very sad, very sad scenario. But it certainly feels like blame is organizational and not so much personal. Although 
that guy fell asleep. <laughs> also, he fell asleep. I mean, I'm not taking the blame off of that guy, but. Well, but then there's also things where it's like, we don't know if he fell asleep because he's a sh- fucking schmuck or if he fell asleep because he was driving a train for 21 hours. You know what I mean? Like Totally, totally. I mean, like he said, he was like lack of sleep. This guy could have been grinding like yeah. forever. And know? maybe he was made to like that. That's the thing that like, we don't know if he did that because he's a bad person and, and it was not being responsible mm-hmm. or if, if, or, you know, it's like when you hear about the truckers who are like, we had to do meth because we couldn't do our job otherwise. Right. Right. They expect us to be up all the time and meet these deadlines, et cetera, or we're fired. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, how is that? How, how, just how? Yeah. It's a uh, impossible expectations where you're like, if I have to do certain things to meet these and they're not physically yeah, you know, it's just not possible to do it in any kind of long term because like, yeah, you know, OK, they're like, oh, I'll find someone that does it. And you find someone who's fresh, who's well slept. And they're like, sure, yeah, I'll drink as, enough coffee as I can. And they're like, fuck, coffee's not cutting it. And then they move from drug to drug to drug. And at a certain point, you just it is not sustainable. Even if you could do it a couple of times, it's not sustainable. Yeah, it's not sustainable. That's totally right. Yeah. Yeah. And so who who knows exactly? Right. It's like it could it's it's probably multiple Blame probably falls on multiple people, mm-hmm. but it's really hard to know exactly who. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure that we don't have enough actual information to point fingers. But either way, it's it's a very unfortunate, unfortunate accident that hopefully people will people could learn something from, you know, just safety precautions are important. Don't like uh, when you're building your train. Yeah. Build it out of metal. Don't use wood. Don't use wood. And yeah, use bricks. Yeah, use use yeah, use bricks. Look, if you're gonna, you can't use wood and gas lanterns. Yeah, you, you just you can't do both. You can do one, but then you can't do the other one. Yeah. Um. Uh man, fire! I mean, fire strikes again. You know, fire strikes again. Truly. Uh, and it just and that's other thing. It's like it's where they were in the middle. You know, just the middle of empty space. Where the wind was high and you couldn't get water to. It was just, it was just, uh, it truly a perfect storm again of just yeah. everything that could go wrong, going wrong in the worst place for it to go wrong. And, and that's, that's what happens. Yeah. It caught fire. They were trapped. There's no water. It's windy. It's fucking in the middle of the night. It's like, it's just like, yeah, it's man. made of wood. Like they would just, yeah, it's just, it's wild. Um, but I really hope at the end of this, Y'all can tell get us some train facts and maybe we can get to the bottom of who who was at fault here because yeah. it turns out that no one really paid for this other than the people who died. Like, no. like just. No, I'm shrugging. You guys can't see because you're listening. <laughs> but that's what this dead air is. Mark shrugging. I'm shrugging at this because because I was just like, yeah, I don't know. Like, is it is it? Yeah, there's there's so many people that could be at fault, and then it could also be the saboteurs. We can't rule out that there was a such sabotagery. That's what I was going for. Uh, okay, um, yes, there could have been sabotagery. I don't know. Sabotagery. <laughs> there's no way to know. What I want to know is if there's lions in the woods outside of Hammond. That would be so cool and kind of scary but like great lore yeah it's a way cooler version of like the burbank parrots yes yeah for for those of you who don't live in california 
there are green parrots that live in Burbank because they got out of a zoo at some point or something like that. So there's like multiple stories because there's Pasadena parrots too. Yeah. And there's a story that like they got out of a zoo or mm-hmm. they got out of a pet store. Yeah. Right. Or somebody had them in their house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like there's many stories and it's very fun, but they are green parrots and they're all over the place. And there are, and their squawks are ugly. Like they, they, they are gross sounding. And they're loud. Yeah. Yeah. And then you look at them like, oh, they're very pretty looking. It's, but they don't sound, <laughs> but they don't sound great. And they're very loud. And I mean, in that one, I mean, so far to my knowledge, they haven't upended the ecosystem or anything like that, which can happen with an new species being added in, but like lions being in Gary, Indiana's forest, like that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. So, Oh, and then there's another one, of course, also is that cemetery haunted or not? Is that cemetery haunted or not? Allegedly debunked, but I don't think you can debunk hauntings. You know what I mean? I'm going to say, uh, Baldy and Smiley are definitely haunting. Oh yeah. And and with names like that, I'm imagining them as the Muppets, two old guys, like <laughs> Waldorf and whatever the fuck. Yeah. Yeah. And just doing like very grim humor yeah. about stuff in there. Oh, what? Is, that's wild. That's my personal lore. So, yeah, they're at Woodlawn. That's crazy. There's so many people at Woodlawn Cemetery. Oh, yeah. So that's a, a story I have been avoiding. <laughs> yeah. And now you know why. Now you know why. Yeah. It's a tough one, but... Certainly a very interesting story. Thanks, you guys, for listening. And boilers and fires, uh, we cannot avoid. Can't avoid them. Can't avoid them. Yeah, and, and if nothing else, this is another prime example to check your boilers. Uh, uh, 100%. 100%. And check what, check what room your boilers are in. Is it a wood room? Is it a wood room? Is it in the front or the back? <laughs> Maybe get a little insulation. Um from the rest of your home or train. And can you see the flares from your room? Yeah. <laughs> and let us know because there's something is the foot on this one. <laughs> is a foot and the foot also. It's both and every until we know more. <laughs> uh, so thank you guys for listening. If you want to check our Instagram for any images that we just really dug through and uh they're they're pretty they're pretty incredible in in, in a sad way but also just an impressive way yeah like and it helps with the visuals of just the amount of force this pullman train or pullman cars just like spear through this wooden train yeah and and you don't have to these are these are wreckages after the fact so like you're really just seeing like train materials it's not like you're gonna see like your corpses or anything like that like you don't have to worry about that no 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 yeah no it's not some of them the ones that are especially like that i would recommend you do check out are the ones especially that have the debris on the sides of the train to like just give you an idea of just how much of a pulp the metal train made out of the wooden train like it is the, the the last few you sent me are the most like awe striking because it's a fully intact train on tra- on the tra- like on the trails on the uh, on the rails and to the side of it is just unintelligible debris like it, without the wheels being there you yeah. would never know what that is just by looking at it it is that it is that destroyed and there's just a couple of a ton of people that were waiting to go see the circus and they're like oh fuck <laughs> which is crazy he's like oh no it's so wild there's one where they're just like oh shit the uh, whoop 
It is really something else. Yeah, it's so, I mean, I can't imagine being like, we're going to go travel 20 miles to see the circus. And then you're like, oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fuck. You know? like, oh, let's get back in the car. Let's go back. Because people would see like the elephant's D-board and like, you know, yeah. all that shit. Watch the cha- the tent go up and like. Mm-hmm. Well, well, and again, and remember, like, this is the era where what did you do for in your free time? The whole town would close. Yeah. The whole town would close while they would do their parade. That's why the circus was so huge. You know, it was like it was one of the very few things that like the common person could experience in their life that was a like great fun distraction from just like work and the stresses of life. Yeah. So yeah, definitely check out these photos because they assist with the visual and like the impact that the emotionally and you know visually you could see the impact of the train. But yeah, check those out. You can yeah, go to Instagram at circus.stories. If you have anything that you want to email us, uh, some circus stories of your own or just circus episode ideas like you want to send or just insight or whatever, you can email us at circusstoriespodcast at gmail. Um, I had, I'll tell you this really quick. Um, somebody emailed me because we were like, send us feedback. What do you guys think? And this person just ripped me a new one on, uh, oh, and then God. I ripped them a new one right back. Um, yeah, <laughs> let them have it, Callie. Uh, they're like, uh, the Iron Jaw episode, and uh, you mispronounced this person's name. And um, you, and I was like, uh, what? <laughs> I was just like, oh, go fuck yourself. <laughs> uh, shut up. And I was like, send me your podcast. That, yeah, it's like, this is not <laughs> easy. I was like so pissed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, after you make something, how about we fucking critique that? Um, I take compliments. I'm... Uh, but I won't take criticism. Okay, fine. Uh. No, I mean, look, there, well, there's a difference between constructive criticism and someone just trying to like be right. Um, yeah, I was like, what are you talking about? Uh. And look, it's really easy in, and this is just anyone who's trying to make something and put it in a public place to be seen. Um, anyone who doesn't do that and just consumes things, it's super easy to just watch something, see the imperfections and point them out. Very mm-hmm. easy to do that. It is very hard to make things. Also, this person was like, I'm a really big P.T. Barnum fan. And I was like, cool. <laughs> Good. Well, great. Yeah. Did you watch The Greatest Showman yeah. and that's it? Like, no. fuck yeah. off. Like, like, yeah. I mean, it's it's hard to make stuff. Nothing is going to be perfect. But if no one tries to make things and makes imperfect things, no one gets any art to consume. Yeah. So, look, we hope you enjoy these things. We certainly like making them for you guys. Um you know, just if you have criticisms, just be nice about it. Yeah. I mean, I'm not correct a lot of the time. And I'm fine with that. No, we're going to make mistakes. I literally don't know anything. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like Callie knows everything about circus or at least a ton. I mean, to me, she knows everything about the circus. Well, thank you so much. Just look, you, you feel free to correct us. Just be nice about it. Just don't be a dick. Yeah. That's just the general rule of life. Just don't be a dick. You can certainly critique and you can certainly give pointers. Just don't be an asshole. And then it's fine. For sure. The the uh, sentiment was I was being disrespectful and lazy. That is the words. And it's I was like, like, oh, fuck off. I was like, uh, oh, no, no, no. You don't call me. I was like, I'm not disrespectful and I'm not lazy. <laughs> you guys, like, if you think Callie's lazy, you don't understand the amount of research that she does. Like Callie does a lot of fucking work. <laughs> so anyone who thinks she's lazy, fuck yeah. you. Stop listening. We don't need you around. OK, like keep that shit to yourself. 
There's no room for but that. But please tell me if I mispronounce stuff in a nice way, and that's fine. Yeah. Look, like I said, you feel free to correct us and stuff. Totally. I was literally asking for the train heads to tell us what the fuck's up the whole <laughs> totally, episode. Totally. We are not saying do not correct us, not give us feedback, anything. Just be yeah. nice. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Just do it nice, and then it's fine. Totally. 100%. So that's my rant. Um, so yeah. again, thank you guys. Thanks for being so patient while um, my bones heal. And um, and thank you, Patreon people. Um, I'm going to shout some peeps out uh, that are still hanging out, hanging on there. So yeah, let them hear it. Thank you, Van. Thank you, our Evelyn. Thank you, Molly. Thank you, Kathleen. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Hannah. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you, Kayla. You badass. Uh, thanks, Eric. Thanks, Melanie. Thanks, Rory. Uh, Allie, and thanks, Herbert. So, you guys are radical. We love you guys. We do love you guys. You guys are so rad. Thank you for supporting us for so long. Um, One of those is my mom. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, as soon as I heard the name, I was like, that's my mom. <laughs> <laughs> that's my mom. Well, she's great. We love I, her. I love her. Great lady. She's great. She's responsible for a lot of things for you. I know. A lot of things, including me. It's true. That's yeah. right. Which is the greatest gift of all. Truly. That's how I like to introduce myself. <laughs> <laughs> the greatest gift of all. Hello. Hello, it's me, Mark. I am the greatest gift of all. Um, Pleasure to meet you too, I suppose. Uh, that's so funny. Um, so thanks, everybody. Uh, remember to rate and subscribe and give us some feedback. That's nice. We love it. Just be <laughs> nice. Yeah. Just don't call me lazy. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> um, but most importantly, and this is an episode that really reiterates this. Uh, Truly. Check those boilers, baby. Check them. Look, I mean, the we're getting towards the end of the summer. I know it doesn't feel like that, but we're getting Thank there. Thank God. And when the winty months hit, you're going to be glad you did. Yeah. So you got to put that coal in your boiler and check it. Put the coal in the boiler. If you have a wooden boiler room, maybe reinforce it. Yeah. Don't put your boiler in a sauna, you know, because those are historically wooden. Don't do that. They're mostly made of wood. Yeah. Uh. So check it. Watch out. Be safe. And, you know, just keep flammable stuff away from flammable materials. It's true. It's true. If it's flammable, don't put it next to flammable stuff. Yeah. If you take anything away from this episode, just don't put gasoline next to wood. <laughs> and also, fire's hot. Yeah, fire's hot. Yeah. <laughs> That's the other big one. You guys. And we're going to leave you with something. Fire's hot. <laughs> and the funniest thing about that to me is like, you actually don't probably realize how it's hot fire is. hot. <laughs> Until you're actually near a big fire. And then you're like, holy shit, it's hot. hot. It's really hot. <laughs> it's really hot. It's, you know, think about your stove and how small of a fire that is and how that makes it the pan really fucking hot. Yeah. I uh, was using a glue gun the other day and I was like, ooh, that's hot. And then you're like, ooh, hot stuff's hot. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, why is hot stuff so hot? Hot stuff is hot. Burning things are hot. Fire. Is the hottest. Is <laughs> it's probably the hottest of all the hots. That's probably the hottest thing. <laughs> so uh, check your boilers, baby. And um, check them, it's hot. be safe out there. Take care Please. of each other. And we'll see you down the road, friends. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs> oh, bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> 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 oh, God, it's my favorite. It really is.